Hello and welcome to StarCast. I'm Joe Stark, and tonight is a Comic Talk episode. We are talking The Hard Place, written by Doug Wagner, art by Nick Rommel, colors by Charlie Kirchhoff. Uh, the Hard Place is an Image Comics book. After five years in prison, A.J. Gurney, a legendary wheelman in Detroit, has decided it's time to go straight. He returns home to work in his father's garage and disappear into anonymity. But during a visit to the bank, A.J. is recognized by two violent bank robbers, and they demand A.J. be their getaway driver. To ensure his compliance, they take a young female hostage. Unfortunately, she happens to be the daughter of a Russian crime lord. A.J. now finds himself pursued by a bitter police department and hunted by every asset of the Russian mob. Without a doubt, he's in a very hard place. Now, if that isn't an exciting description for a book, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, the Hard Place is easily in my top five of my favorite miniseries. Uh, this was a five-issue run. Uh, the paperback trade's going to be coming out June 20th, and Image is doing a pretty huge social media contest giveaway in relation to it. And uh, details of that are in the episode. Um I'm talking tonight with Jordan Leakin from the Supercast, and we also have got Doug Wagner on this episode, the writer of The Hard Place. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, we've done a lot of comic talk episodes on StarCast, and we've never actually had one of the creators of the book on. So <laughs> rather than just uh, getting into a bunch of conjecture about, you know, some of the things going on behind the scenes and whatnot, uh, it's, it's kind of cool that in this one we can actually ask Doug. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, Jordan and I had a lot of fun talking with Doug in this episode. Um, Doug had previously been on an episode of Startcast, and uh, so you know I already knew that he's a great guest. And you know tonight was no different. We had so much fun. Um, fair warning: at the beginning of the episode, we do get into some um, spoilers for Infinity War. So if you haven't seen that yet, uh, steer clear. We get into a little bit of spoiler terry for the Hard Place, but you know no- nothing too big. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, uh, Jordan Leakin and Doug Wagner. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, I hate heat and it's starting to get hot. And so it's, I just, I can't stand it. <laughs> where, Jordan, where are you at? Kansas, Kansas Wichita, oh. Kansas. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, uh, I'm originally from the South and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the heat either, but now I live at 6,000 feet. So it's the summers here are kind of like the Springs back in the South. Oh, that sounds great. Oh yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That sounds great. I, it's like I loved the heat and stuff when I was in school and high school and stuff. You know, I love summer, but now I hate it. I feel like I'm a like a grumpy man. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm the same way, man. If I start sweating, I'm an asshole. Like, yes, like <laughs> screw that shit, man. Who wants to feel like who wants to feel that way? Yeah, <clears throat> it's kind of bittersweet because like kind of like if you're sweating. Maybe you knew, like, you got some kind of exercise in, so you feel a little bit good about it, but then you just feel like shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't like sweating unless I'm doing it on purpose. 
<laughs> yeah, summertime's rough for me. I sweat when I think hard. Like I, I remember yeah. being a kid and getting made fun of for it'd be like, dude, we've been outside for ten seconds. Why are you so sweaty? And it's like it's hot out and I'm big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always been a sweater and I didn't realize like there was places you could live where you didn't sweat. <laughs> so like after after moving to Utah and being where they don't have any humidity, like you don't sweat unless you want to. And like I didn't know that was a possibility. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds, sounds amazing. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. So I mean I go through a lot of moisturizer and chapstick, but you know, that's that's a small price to pay for uh not you know, not having to sweat all the time. <laughs> so where where are you from originally? <clears throat> I'm originally from South Florida. South Florida. Oh, yeah. And that's hot. Like, hot and humid. And, like, yeah, I don't I don't know how anybody lives there year-round. Did you live uh, on the beach or near the beach? Yeah, I live near the beach. I grew up, like, going to the beach on a regular basis in a really small town. But, uh, I mean, I, you know, again, it was just, you know, growing up there, you don't know the differences between that and everything else because, you know, you're a kid and you think that's the whole world. Right. But, I mean, there was, like, growing up, during the summer when we were kids, like he, it was normal to go out to the car, open all the doors and let it stand there for 20 minutes until you, before you got in because the car would be too hot to sit in. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Like and a so, death you know, trap, like a little oven. Oh yeah. Well, not only that, but like, I mean like the vinyl seats and everything would get so hot. And of course you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Ugh. You couldn't sit on it without getting burnt. Oh yeah. Oh God, this brings yeah. up terrible memories. Yeah, <laughs> I know, <Sorry>. right? <laughs> oh no, no, no. That, I, I, I'm. That's why I'm a big advocate of. Uh, I, I hate it when people like leave their kids in their car for an extended amount of time when it's hot outside. It's like, oh, yeah. man, dude, you, I uh, do you not realize. I mean, it could get, it could get like over 120 in those cars. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a. I'm, I'm kind of an asshole when it comes to animals in cars. Oh yes, yeah. so I, I call I call the police like without even blinking. I'm like, yep, I'm not putting up with this bullshit. Like, you leave your animal in the car in the sun. I hope they crack your windows open. You know? <laughs> Do you have any? Pets? Absolutely. Oh yeah, I have I have one geriatric cat. So she's 20. <laughs> oh, but she still gets around. Wow. Dang. Yep. <clears throat> Oh man, that's that's incredible. Twenty years old. Oh yeah. I don't think I've ever known a cat or a dog that's ever hit twenty. Yeah, I mean she still gets around pretty well. I mean she's definitely old, you can tell. But uh but yeah, I mean she just gets around really nice and the reason why we don't uh get any other pets is because, you know, she's kinda like I don't she's really enjoying her life right now and I don't want to screw that up. Right. Oh totally. You know? Yeah. We we have the oldest I was Sorry, say, go we had we had a cat growing up that I think she lived close to twenty, but it, at one time she was massively overweight, and the the vet told my mom that there was some condition <clears throat> wrong with her, like something like cancer or something like that, and she wasn't going to live very long, and she should just put her down. And my mom's like, "I'm not doing that," and that was like half the cat's lifespan. Wow. And, yeah, and like this cat like went through like almost like a human type journey. It was like really overweight and then it got really really fit and then by the time she was old and like actually passed like she was skinny like fit looking cat. It was kind of weird, but 
um, during the period of the cat's life where she was super overweight, she would just sit on top of the dryer right next to the her food and water bowl. And she, huh. she couldn't reach her back to, like, properly clean herself. And so if you, like, scratched her back right above her tail, she'd, like, go all, like, schizo. And, like, my <laughs> friends thought it was so funny. And my mom felt so bad for her that my mom actually put a sign on the dryer that she drew in Sharpie that said, do not touch the fat cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> she was a good kitty. <laughs> Do not touch the fat cat. It's like uh, Joe uh, Joe Prime, like the other Joe Joe. Uh, he, you know, his cat. I think he's like seventeen, blind. You know, blind. And uh, I thought that was old. So like we looked up. I can't remember one of these episodes a while back. We looked up the oldest cat in the world. And I think it was forty four. Wow. And I was like, how is this even possible? Yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, that that's extremely impressive yeah <laughs> have you ever seen that thing online where it's like the diary of a dog versus the diary of a cat yeah <laughs> and every single thing that the dog writes down it's like this is my favorite and when it gets to the cat it's like you know day 592 of my imprisonment <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic and here come my dogs no guys you don't have to be in here because i'm in here <laughs> Well, you're wrong. Oh, what kind of dogs do you got again, Jordan? I know one's a German Shepherd. Yeah, Max is a purebred German Shepherd, and Diesel is a Malamute Husky. Nice. Yeah, Huskies are so beautiful in Kansas. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't take him out very often, but in the winter time, oh my god, he loves it. I, it's so weird. It's like it's like you just get when he when we go outside and it's really cold, especially when it's snowing. When we're out there, when we come back in, it's like you just gave him an adrenaline shot straight to the heart. I mean, he just it like awakens something in him. Nice. I don't know, like got a little frost giant in his blood or something. <laughs> I think I read that huskies have got hollow hair strands, and that actually gives them <clears throat> extra insulation. Huh. I believe it because he sheds so much. <laughs> it is, it, it's inescapable. It travels you everywhere. The shower gets clogged up because of Diesel's white hair. It gets in your, you know, people's cars here. It's, it's bad, man. Like if you're gonna take on a Malamute Husky, just I want, I don't care how much you love that dog, you will at one point wonder if all the hair is worth it. <laughs> yeah, because like I can't. Like, especially in the, uh, after summer when winter starts to come, he really starts to shed that summer coat and bring that winter one in. I can't wear black shirts during that time. Hmm. At all. I mean, it's, it's bad. They, they shed a lot. But I love the guy. And Joe, don't you have... No, you don't have a dog, do you, Joe? No, I have a Shih Tzu. That's a dog. What? <laughs> that is not a dog. Dude, when, when we used to take her to PetSmart to get her groomed, and I would pick her up and carry her through the store, and she'd be done, and she'd have her little bow in her hair, and she'd have her pink collar on, and I'd be holding her pink retractable leash, trying to look cool, <laughs> walking through the store. <laughs> 
<laughs> but she's a sweetie. <laughs> so it's all good. Uh, oh, she's yeah. a huge Shih Tzu, though. She's close to 20 pounds. Wow. Yeah, very big for a purebred. But uh, she's white with I'm black sorry. spots. She's really pretty. <laughs> She's huge. She's like close to twenty pounds. Yeah, yeah she's a big I'm girl. She's not one of those My little toy like shih tzus. Hundred pounds each. Twenty uh, pounds. She's the, shit. I did. I seriously. I don't know. I never knew you had a shih tzu. How did I not know that? Or maybe I did. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Learn something every day, right? That, at this point, we've been having some fun conversation. I can just insert an intro in. <laughs> We can just keep going if you guys want. Yeah. Fine with me. <laughs> Excellent. A Stark cast tradition continues. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> skipping right past the official intro. <laughs> Diamond intro. talks about pets. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need no intros. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Doug, I'm sure you got a chance to see Infinity War. Oh yeah, yeah. And the the last time uh, you were on, we were doing a lot of speculating about it. Uh, what would you think of it? I loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it's like the perfect movie or anything like that, because you know, obviously, you can't see that movie without seeing a ton of other Marvel movies first. But I really enjoyed it. Like I had a blast watching it. Yeah, it's it was it was incredible. It was incredible. I mean, do you do you feel like it was worth all the time in the making? I do. All the hype it received, I do too. Yeah, I, I was I was just actually talking about this yesterday with some friends. Like, I think Marvel this year, like you know, because I felt like even though I enjoyed Ant Man and I kind of liked you know like Thor, Dark World, and even like uh, Civil War. You know, there was a little bit of a dip there, I thought, for Marvel and, you know, in some of their stories and their movies. But this year, Lord Almighty, man, like Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, and Infinity War, I was like, these might be three in my top ten. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah, they just last three. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was a few parts, you know, I think in, in Infinity War. I'm going to go see it again, but like that, I remember that were just a little clunky. But past that, I mean, like that's nitpicking because overall, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you could take almost any movie and start to nitpick at it, um, right? And and this one, it was kind of funny that the the MCU pulled that trick with you know at first it was well we're going to have Invin- uh, Infinity War Part One and then Infinity War Part Two. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not how it's going to happen. And, and this did feel like that. But, I mean, in a way, it felt like a, conf- a complete film. But we're far too used to the fact of, wait a minute, these are comic book heroes. For sure, they're going to be coming back. And and also, we've already heard about the planned sequels for Spider-Man and Black Panther and and it, et cetera. But I, I still thought it finished really strong. I mean, when it cut to to black at the end, it was a very deep moment. Yeah, I couldn't believe they did it. I couldn't believe they actually adapted that. Yeah, I thought I, I'm with I'm with you guys. Like, I thought it was perfect that they went ahead and kind of had Thanos win, but then they dropped that hint from Doctor Strange going, "This was the only way." 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is perfect. Like, I love the fact that they kind of won, but kind of lost at the same time. Yeah, we're entering the end game. Yeah. And another thing that made me think about, and you're going to get me started all on Infinity War. Um, (laughs) That's okay. The other thing, it got me (laughs) thinking about, Joe, I didn't know, I don't know if you talked about this at all, but so strange. So, you know, he talks before, and a lot of people thought in the movie how he gave up the time stone so easily that he just all of a sudden, you know, befriended Stark and Peter so well. Because, you know, in the beginning he tells them, you know, no matter what, I will, you know, guard this uh, time stone above your guys' lives. And, you know, he this is Dr. Strange here. He's an asshole. He means what he's saying. I believe him. Yeah. And so then at the end when he gives it up so easily, I, I know I heard a lot of people in reviews and stuff talk about how he uh, either he's got a plan or he just became real good friends with Tony and Peter during that sh- short time they were together. I'm like, no, no, he gave it up so easily because there's a plan. I mean, that's that's the only that's the only logical answer for him. I mean, you think about his character. Oh, absolutely. It's got to be. So he's trying to make things line up to that one out of how many options did he say? Like 14 million or something. Yeah. He's trying to make (laughs) things go right for that 14 million, but I don't trust Marvel period anymore. So they, they fake us out in the trailers with the different <laughs> infinite. And I, and I say that in a good way. Yeah, I love I loved that they did that. Exactly. All this, you know, they shot the one scene with the cap running with Hulk and everything. They shot that just for the trailer. Oh, yeah. 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 And then how much speculating did everybody do about, well, he's got these gauntlets or these these gems in the gauntlet at this time. And the Wakanda stuff's probably in the third act. So, I mean, like, they really, really did pull the rug out from under us with that. Yeah, I know. Most people thought that he wouldn't get all the stones yet. At all. Yeah, I kept waiting for the Wakanda stuff to happen sooner. (laughs) And then when, like, he started getting more gems, I was like, oh, they doctored that trailer for us. Like, of course they did. I mean, how else do you compete with the Internet these days in terms of spoilers? Things brilliant about what they did with this one is just like they didn't fall into that trap of like we've got to tell you all the story to get you to see our movie. They did. They told us the wrong story. Like they were like, you know, oh, we're going to lead you down the wrong path, and then when you come see the movie, you'll be surprised. Right. Oh, they sure did. Yeah. Who's done that? No one. Like we didn't get anything we wanted yet. We got everything we didn't know we wanted. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. It was, it was it was great, man. And like I've said this before, but like you know, and and Rebecca famously stole it from me. Um, no, I'm kidding. It, the Avengers movie. It was it was it really was not an Avengers movie. It was a Thanos movie, and that's also what I loved about it so much. Oh yeah. <sighs> and he yeah, he was so great. Doug, did you like? Like, honestly, like, I hate, like, when we saw the look of Thanos before the movie and the trailers and stuff, I hated that they took away his helmet and stuff. Because he looks so badass that way, and how they changed it. But, so, like, I, I hated it. We hated it over on the Supercast before the movie. Then it comes out, and we're like, oh, we were fucking wrong. It looks so good. <laughs> How'd you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, when I saw the picture, I, I you know, when they re- released the initial picture, like, I was like, eh, that kind of does look a little goofy. But, like I said, I mean... After seeing Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther, I was like, you know, I gotta kind of, I gotta trust these guys. Right. They know what they're doing, and uh, 
then after what you know after it i was just like yeah this is perfect because they humanized him yeah you know yep. so they kind of took all the armor away and then when they started telling his backstory and his in the stuff with the gamora like it was okay you know it was like okay you kind of want to see his whole face and the expressions on it right and i read some that's kind of what they talked about too the i can't remember what his name is but the cgi guy mentioned how one big reason was for them to drop the helmet was so they could convey all those emotional expressions on his face. Exactly what you said, make it more human. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, okay, I get it now. Yeah, and they definitely couldn't have explained that before the movie came out, you know, without giving some stuff away. Right. And I love how he sheds his armor in the beginning after he gets a second stone. Like, I... Like, I just got the second stone. I'm a total badass. I don't need this shit anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'd think just after he had the power stone, he didn't need any of that shit. Because well, in a way, that, it's like, now true. I can teleport. I don't need armor. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the way it's set up in the in the movie, though. And, man, that fight with Hulk at the beginning was so crazy. Yeah. All that little whimpering noise the Hulk made. I hear that stuff in my nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you saw that and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. The Hulk just did what? He just whimpered like a beaten dog? Like <laughs> He's not supposed damn. to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying to see because I have no doubt they're going to make that come full circle. And so, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of getting the feeling like, you know, just speculating that like the reason why the Hulk won't come out is because he's scared. Yeah. Yes, that's what I think, too. But what's he scared of? I think he's scared of Thanos. I think he's scared of losing control. That's a pot. See, that's another thing, too, because of that. Every everything like what do you think that that's going to build off of Ragnarok? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think. And of course, this is total theory and and BS on every level. Right. (laughs) Just prefacing that. Like, (laughs) I think. The Hulk had control for so long, and I think it's kind of an interesting twist if this is true, that now the Hulk is the one that's scared of losing control, not Bruce Banner. Oh, that's cool. That's, that, yeah. That's really interesting. And so, like, I'm thinking, like, he knows that, like, if he goes on a full rager, he won't have the control he's been practicing for so long. And yeah, you know, I mean, because we all grew up on the Hulk. We know how the Hulk works. The matter he gets, the stronger he gets. So can Thanos handle Hulk when he keeps getting angrier? Oh, God, I would love a scene of just <laughs> angry, angry, angry Hulk getting his revenge on Thanos. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, man. Well, and if they made that a focus, too, maybe they could throw it in so that as he's getting madder, like we finally see him getting bigger. Yeah. So, what, what do you? What would you think if uh, one of my co-hosts mentioned this on on there? That what? What Joe? You and Doug? What do you guys think if he comes back as the Gray Hulk? That would be really cool. I mean, it'd be interesting to see him take him in a direction like that because I mean, so far he's. He hasn't done really anything like that in the MCU. I mean, they've just more played with the the Banner relationship just in terms of Hulk thinking Banner's weak and everything. And, I mean, throughout the events of this, I mean, it could definitely be said that maybe the Hulk is starting to, you know, respect Banner more. So it would be interesting to see him take him in that angle. 
Yeah, but, building off of what Doug said, it, like maybe him turning gray or coming back gray, that's the Hulk just completely losing control. That could be. What do you think of that, Doug? Uh, it'll be it, it, it. They have to handle it right. You know, it scares me a little bit because I mean, from what I remember of the Gray Hulk, he wasn't as strong as the Green Hulk, but he was smarter. Yeah. Am I wrong there? Is that how? No, it you're right. That, that that's. I was kind of thinking about that as, as as a second too. Is like they'd have to change. They'd have to change that a little bit. Yeah. I'm not real familiar with Gray Hulk. But I, yeah, I, I'm, I think you're right. I don't know. They can do anything right now, and I'd be perfectly. Oh, yeah. Cool with it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they're, yeah, they're 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 shooting money. You know what I mean? Like everything they put on camera so far this year has been brilliant. Yeah, you know what? Just kill the Hulk off. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people be like, yeah, okay. I mean, if you're doing it, we'll follow. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's another thing I I gotta mention to you, Joe. Do do you think? Okay, so you did, Doug. Do you see all those? And also, this speculation stuff. But seeing the Hawkeye and the Ronin outfit and stuff for the next movie, right? Oh, I hadn't seen he, any of that. Yeah. Okay. So Ronin in the comics is a little bit darker. He kills people. He's much darker. Do you think that Hawkeye lost his whole family in the snap? Wow, I hadn't even thought of that yet. And that's what makes him go darker. It would that would be cool. That'd be harsh. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him because you know the ending. Even though I loved it, was harsh. I mean, watching Peter Parker beg not to die. You know. Oh was, yeah. Was awesome. So I wouldn't put it past him to do that and have like what's what I love is the original Avengers are still there. Right. So like yeah, having him go dark. You know, having like Hulk scared. And then, of course, Tony Stark's got to get back somehow. Like, how they're going to put those pieces back together and, and fight Thanos is going to be fun. Oh, I just, I just hope, I just hope there's a scene where Iron Man hands that shield back to Captain. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Um, speaking of of Spider Man biting it there, Ty Purvis texted me the other day, and. He had a theory that I hadn't heard anywhere yet, and I thought it was really amazing. So, I mean, this is all tie, <laughs> but it's too cool not to share with you guys in that when when Peter said, you know, Mr. Stark, I'm not feeling so well, do you think it was an overload I've of seen Spidey this. sense? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't heard that. I mean, Ty was the first place I heard that, and I was like, dude, that fits, and it makes it so much more heartbreaking in the end. This isn't a big deal. I just don't know why they didn't introduce that in Spider-Man Homecoming and instead do it without explanation in Infinity War. Infinity War. I mean, it doesn't need explanation. Don't get me wrong. But I just thought that was an odd move. Yeah, I agree. Well, then it fits so with that theory. It's almost that like they, they just threw threw it forgot in. about it. I'm sorry, <laughs> I was going to say, it almost fits with that theory, though, that that's why it's in there. I mean, either they shot it just because it's cool, or they shot it because it meant something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Marvel, they can do no wrong at this point. I mean, it's it's incredible watching them put out movies like this. And, it, you know, just when you think people maybe had a little oversaturation of it, which I don't believe, but just when you think so, 
it goes and becomes the biggest opening of all time, reaches a billion dollars in what eleven days. It's like they 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 know how to just keep raising that bar. Yeah. And then if if the Fox acquisition goes through with Disney, then they can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys That's seen the insane. meme with uh, Mickey Mouse with the Infinity Gauntlet on and the different gems or studios? <laughs> no, I haven't seen he's, that. That's he's, awesome. He's dropping Fox News into the gem and smiling. <laughs> or into the, the gauntlet. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> oh, that's genius. That is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely don't believe there's any sort of superhero fatigue going on. I mean, this definitely shows that all you need is good storytelling, the right build-up to an event, and and you can break in, insanely break records. Um, yeah. It, it, I, I wish Warner Brothers would stop being so proud and just follow the MCU model because it's proven. You know, it, it's oh. it's like the MCU figured out how to make a really, really good sandwich. And it has all these layered ingredients to it. And DC's Warner Brothers is over there trying to make a different sandwich. It's like their Quiznos to Subway or something. And it's like, no, yeah. you guys just follow the recipe. Come on, it's proven. It it works all over the world. Yeah, it's, I, odd, it's odd to watch. It's really odd. You know, as trying to put your finger on, you know, how DC keeps whiffing when they've got all these great characters, and I think the cast nine times out of 10 is, is dead on. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I mean, they've got great actors, you know? Yeah. I just don't understand why they keep, why they just can't understand. Like, look at what Marvel's doing, figure out the key is developing characters and telling a good story. And if you do that, people will show up in droves. I think it's all Warner brothers fault. I think if, if because it's like they just they keep changing everything, they keep announcing different movies that never end up making it. It's like it's like they go and announce twenty movies and will we get like maybe two of those? Yeah, <laughs> and they well, they can't stick with they won't build anything up or play the long game with anything. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it seems like every time um, something goes wrong, they fire everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're like, how's that going to solve anything? Like, surely those people learned from their mistakes. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, just I know it. what we'll do. We'll fire everybody, and then we'll put out a new movie with Harley Quinn in it, and we'll be okay. Or no, five movies with Harley Quinn in it. And there are like five <laughs> movies with Harley Quinn on the slate right now for them. I know well, wrong. a I like lot Harley of them Quinn. have been talked about. It was like Joker and Harley was one of them. Gotham City Sirens. Guys, hey, here's a, there's at least one I, more. I love what they did with the characters in Justice League by moving them in a better direction. Now, Justice League, it's not a good movie. It's not a terrible movie, in my opinion. But I, lo- I, I loved Superman at the end of that movie. And like, I hope they get their chance now that they've sent these guys in those directions. You know, I I hope I hope they can get back on because I'm a DC guy. Like I'm definitely DC over Marvel, and it just it pains me. It just makes me like Disney. I will do whatever you want if you will buy the DCEU. (laughs) (laughs) You know, please. 
I guess they probably have to buy Warner Brothers since Warner Brothers owns DC, but that's <laughs> oh, so sad. It'd be great if Warner Brothers wring their hands and be like, take it! <laughs> oh my god, that'd be perfect. It's like they lose a bet or something. Like, I bet you can't make a good movie with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, wow. Doug, you've uh, written Batman before, haven't you? I have. Or uh, was it Arkham Origins? Yeah, I did some Arkham Origins stuff, and then it also did a 30-page story for uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. Oh, cool. Oh, man. What was it like writing Batman? Oh, of course. I mean, that dude, how's that not a dream come true, right? I mean, if you start listing, you know, say the top five characters regardless of comp- company, Batman's going to be in everybody's top five. And if it's not, they're wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, totally yeah, wrong. It's, yeah. I mean, Batman is is the, you know, the number one character in DC. I mean, even with Scott Snyder and Tom King on it now, like in the fact that they're just killing it. I mean, Batman's always been their their go to character. Like it's it's their best character. So getting a chance to like even play a little bit in that yard was fantastic. You know, it's just a dream come true. I can only imagine. And what? So it, it was set in the canon of the Arkham games, right? That's correct. Actually, it's a choose your own adventure comic. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we had like. There were six writers on it, and so, like, everybody kind of got a piece of the timeline, but then you had to keep in mind, like, the overall picture as well. So it was a really interesting, like, experience to to work with a bunch of other writers and everybody kind of doing their own thing, yet we're all still selling the, till, we're all still telling the same story. Wow. Yeah. So, that, so, that's, how, so that's how that works? So they get six guys... So what, what do they do? Just assign each guy, uh, you know, an issue or a part or something, and then just like kind of give you this big overall arc that you still have to follow along to. But other than that, you're good to go. Yeah. Well, you have one writer who's in charge of everything, and he kind of like okay, he he's he's the one that's in control in control of the map, and he writes his he's his stuff too. But then he kind of sends down like, hey, here's here's what direction this is going in. So, Doug, we need you to write, like, here's the decisions that are going to happen every couple of pages, and here's where we want that those decisions to go. Okay. Huh. And then, yeah, and then you just hope it all works at the end. But, uh, but yeah, dude, that was a blast. Like, you know, you get – because, of course, they had all the classic characters in there. So, you know, you get to write Two-Face and, you know, Tweedledum oh, and, you know, what was cool was everybody was trying to, like, hey, listen, Batman shouldn't beat – all of these characters the same way, his fighting style should change depending on who he's facing. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It was just a lot of fun. Cause you know, I mean, obviously if you're fighting two face versus Tweedledee and Tweedledum, like you're going to, you can't fight Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Like you fight two face, like they're just too powerful. So he's got to be smarter, not faster, you know? Right. And, you know, and then you kind of flip it, you know, when you're fighting somebody like Two-Face, you know, it's like, okay, do you have crazy Harvey Dent or do you have a sane Harvey Dent? Like, what's the difference, you know, as far as how Batman would approach that? And I've, so, always, yeah. been, I've always been interested to know, like, how, like, when you're working with an artist, how exactly that pans out. Like, do you hand them the script and then tell them how you want it drawn or is it, does it uh, decide, you know, does it... Is it different based off of each 
series that you're doing, how that goes, or how does that usually work? Well, it, it, yeah, it's always a, every every experience is going to be a little bit unique. Um, right. Most of the stuff I've done with DC was through DC Custom, and so there was a lot of times where the artist and, and the writer never actually talk. You send them a script, and you you know you do break it down panel by panel, but then you've also got to leave it open so there's some collaboration so the artist can shine too. You don't want to like be like, hey, I never dictate shots, you know, or layouts. I'll be like, hey, here's the five panels on this page. And here's what you need each panel. I'm not like, you know, oh, we're going to do a worm, you know, bird's eye view on this shot. And then this right. panel, I want to be, you know, anything I ever do like that's always just a suggestion, but I almost never put it in there. Okay. Okay. So it's different off of each writer too, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. And then like the flip side is like in, in the books I do for Image, like Plastic and the Hard Place, I work really close with those artists. Like we talk about everything from the summary of the story to page by page summary to the script to the, you know, their layouts to pencils, to inks, everybody's kind of involved to try to make it the best product possible. So that's how it should be. Right. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, man, I can't even imagine how it's like, you know, if I, if I had a book to do, I'd I'd want to talk with the other guy. I mean, I can only (laughs) imagine it would lead to better things. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, that's my opinion. I think working in a collaborative team where you've got everybody involved and everybody invested, it always ends up being a better book, in my opinion. But, you know, there's just some people that don't want that. You know, there's some people like, hey, I just want a script and I just want to draw it and I don't want the writer's notes. And that's okay, too. I mean, as long as you're willing to do it. Right. Well, yeah. That's, that's kind of cool, though. So then the the artist in that case, he just gets a script with just all the dialogue and the you know, the narration and stuff in it and character descriptions. And then they just kind of go from there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I can imagine though that, yeah, collaborating would be, I don't know. It's, it's always more fun to create things together, you know? Well, and I would say you'd be surprised. Like I think the industry's maybe a little 60, 40 on that. So 60 people like collaborating with other people and there's 40% that like, you know, this is a total guesstimate, but, uh, they kind of like, hey, just give me my my script or give me my assignment and let me go, and all I really want to deal with is the editor. Wow. Yeah. That's hard for me to grasp because I wouldn't want to be that way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then, I'm trying to wrap my mind around that too. Right, but different strokes, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's just a different strokes thing. And there's some people that handle criticism better than the others. You know, so like – if you talk to like Daniel or Nick, you'll find out like they they found I'm almost impenetrable when it comes to offend, offending me with criticism because all I care about is make writing a good book. I could care less like, you know, about my ego getting in the way. But, Beautiful. you know, some people can't get out of their own way. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, they're more important than that than writing the best story ever. Yeah, in a collaboration like that, there's definitely got to be no room for ego. Right. Well, and Joe, what do we always used to talk about on the Comic Cast all the time? This is why, this is why, I, in my opinion, anyways, this is why Image is just putting out so much better quality stories than, in my opinion, any, even better in Marvel and DC. I mean, I love what DC's doing. I, Marvel pisses me off all the time. <laughs> uh, them getting Donny Cates, though, was the best thing they could have done. And I agree. Oh my God! And forever, I mean, Don, that that guy's amazing. Oh yeah, 
Donnie's a beast. And I, I don't know how he writes as much as he does. And then it's all high quality stuff too. It, yes. I know that that's the amazing part. It's all on point. Yeah. I'm like, he's doing all these books and all of them are first reads for me when I get them. Baby teeth, red and I mean, ever that Thanos run was incredible. Yeah, it was. And I just picked up Venom number one today. I can't wait to read it. Oh, I know. Oh, I'm I know. not even that familiar with that character. You know, I mean, Marvel's kind of like my, my weakest link as far as stuff that I know a, a lot about in terms of the comic history and whatnot. But, yeah, I've, I don't think I've ever been more excited to read a Marvel title. Huh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, like, I with... I don't know. With with Thanos, I was really, really excited about that. I loved what he did with Doctor Strange and and just anymore, it's like I've, I'm more stoked to read Marvel stuff than I ever have been. And and I got access to a uh, uh, Marvel Unlimited now, so I'm going to go back and start reading some of the older stuff. And 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 yeah, but the future does look kind of bright right now for Marvel. They got with Gail Simone doing Domino also. That was a really good first issue. And yeah. Yeah, they just they have so many titles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And it's just like, guys, if you could drop like ten of your titles, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say you got bad writers on them at all. It's just I think, I think you just got too many. They're stretching people out too thin, in my opinion. A lot of the times, uh, like Brian Michael Bendis, and I don't know if that's on him or not, but I, I don't know if it's like the right. Well, maybe you can answer a little bit of that. So, like. <laughs> If if Marvel wants you to do like four or five books, I mean, it, do you kind of like have have to go with that and to stay on their good side? Or, I mean, I'm I'm not familiar enough with a lot of those stories. I mean, the the problem gets into where obviously if if they're offering you four or five dream books, like you've always wanted to write Cloak and Dagger, right? Oh, you always wanted to write Iron Fist, and they finally offer it to you, and they're like, "Here's the four or five books we want," because you're, you know, Brian Michael Bendis at the time when he first started doing that, I mean, his name sold, you know, an extra 40, 50,000 copies. So there's that whole like balance of like, well, we need you to write four or five books because it helps us. Right. But, and you know, I, I'm sure there's a, not a creative alive. that's not like, I think I can do this <laughs> you know, and, and keep the quality up. And you're like, yeah, no, you can't. But I think everybody has to try it once and go, oh, yeah, this is hurting me, not helping me. Right. Yeah. But man, I almost forgot. I just got to say, I it, honestly, it's an honor to talk to you, man. You, you're, you're great. I, dude, plas- plastic. Seriously, <laughs> I, I mean, it is up there with one of my favorite books of all time. I mean, I know you've talked to Joe before, but I, I got to like, how I have to know how did that come to be. <laughs> <laughs> that one was, you know, Joe, it's just one of those weird, I was on probably the surrealist road trip of my life. So I'm with Brian Stelfreeze and Eric Layton, and we're driving from Atlanta to Baltimore to go to the Baltimore Con, simply because we didn't want to pay to ship our booth, because it was just too expensive. <laughs> nice. Oh, it's wow. a road trip, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Brian had worked like two days straight before, so for most of the trip, he's dead asleep. Eric and I'd be talking, we're trying to talk lightly, and about every like 30 to 40 minutes, Brian would magically join into the conversation, but he was having a different conversation than we were. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, I mean, he just wake up and start talking. And we're like, Eric and I just look at each other. And there was this one time where I think Eric and I were actually just talking comic books. And we're talking, you know, we're kind of talking about the same thing, Jordan, you were about like, man, I I love the X-Men, but I can't buy all 14 titles. Right. And Brian comes out of this dead sleep and says, yeah, man, she's like the town bike. Everybody's had a ride. (laughs) (laughs) And and Eric and I just looked at each other and we're like, huh? And Brian starts laughing. And he's like, yeah. And uh, we turned to him like, dude. We're, who are you talking about? Because we're not talking about that. <laughs> and that probably, like I said, that happened every hour. Like <laughs> he just come out of this dead sleep because he'd, he'd been so sleep deprived. And uh, I mean, we there's just so many stories from that trip. I mean, it's it's insane. But halfway through, we're crossing the Virginia state line, and they don't have like "Welcome to Virginia" signs. They have "Buckle up, Virginia" signs. And uh, I just looked up at, at Eric, and I was like, buckle up, Virginia, just joking around. <laughs> and we both laughed for a second, and honestly, the entire story for I Plastic hit me in the head. Wow. Yeah, no <laughs> so, I mean, if you notice, like, the last thing Edwin says to Virginia is, buckle up, Virginia. That's because of that sign. And the first and the last word in the book is Virginia. Because it was inspired by the state line of Virginia. And so, like, I, yeah, like I said, I mean, it just all got crammed in there all at once. And sometimes that's just the way it happens. That's am- that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Because, man, I, that book is so crazy insane. <laughs> but it is so, it, it's so crazy insane and it's so cold, but it's so alive at the same time it's just everything at once uh, I mean, that's insane to me that it all came to you like at, just from seeing a buckle up virginia sign yeah i you know if i could explain the creative process i'll just like <laughs> bottle that and sell it yeah but, <laughs> right just, yeah dude you just don't know i mean sometimes it just pops in there and you're like oh here's the whole story and then the other book you're working on you know it took it takes you five years to make it make sense to you right you know, so, I mean, it's all over the place. You just don't know how the muses are going to, like, deliver stuff to you. So w- which one was the hard place? Did it all come to you, or was it one you'd been working on for a while? The hard place, I mean, it didn't come to me as quickly as plastic, but it, that one was another one that came fairly quickly. Um, I just had this idea one day that I wanted to write, like, about this driver, and in my head it was Matthew McConaughey playing the part. And so I, I was like, I just really want to write this story about where – Somebody gets thrown into the, you know, into the blender where everybody wants them dead. You know, and how do you possibly get out of that? Watch those damn Lincoln commercials, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't made that connection. That's perfect. (laughs) It's a hard play. That that was another just fantastic one. That was the one, Joe, me and you were talking about it like, uh, after plastic and then we saw hard place like oh man Wagner he's, he's doing another one and we just had to jump on it and oh especially with the preview that was in it with the yeah. with the bathtub scene with with Maxim <laughs> yeah I mean, bath, that was yeah <laughs> I mean not only is it like oh shit and I mean it, it's kind of shades of American history X was is that a bit of an Easter egg that you were working towards 
Not not really. I mean, that's that was more like Nick and I kind of one upping each other as we were coming up with the scene. Oh, I love and, it. <laughs> and Nick was the one, you know, I was like, yeah, he needs to kill this guy. And Nick was like, I want him to curb stomp him. I was like, we're going to curb stomp him in a, in a Russian bathhouse? Fuck yeah. Because you know, at first my brain couldn't wrap around it. And then it was like, oh, yes, we still can do that. I see what you're saying. You know, because like when you first say curb stomp, I'm thinking on a curb outside. You know? Right. And it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But yeah, when Nick was like, no, I've got this. I was like, oh, yeah, dude, let's run with it. Oh, so. uh, yeah, because we put teeth on tile. It's like, oh, like. I feel that in the pit of my stomach, you know. <laughs> I, I remember like texting Joby like, "Dude, did you see the end of that issue?" <laughs> and like, because I remember sitting here thinking, "Like, wait a minute, what? Our main character is dead." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wait, are they gonna, it's like are they switch into another character?" I'm like, "Did he just die?" <laughs> I love that you had so to now- say, "I'm Thory." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with his teeth on the. On the bathhouse side, yeah. Then I remember the whole time he's uh, riding the car. I can't remember her name in the back seat. Oh, Alexandria. Thank you. And I, the whole time, I'm just, I, the whole time I'm thinking, man, I wonder, like, I wonder if she's, like, happy he's doing this. Or I wonder if she hates him, too, or she thinks he's bad, too. I just kept thinking about what was going through her head the whole time. Yeah. Well, they kind of had that moment where where I think it's like kind of the first place that AJ takes him to hang out and kind of lay low and uh so it'd be Monkey and Zebra are outside the car and and Alex and AJ are talking and Alex says, "You know, I don't I don't hate you and blame you like everybody else does." Right. And so yeah, that that's pretty cool there cuz you know, we get a little bit more opening up of Alex there. And um you know the the thing that's crazy. I, I went through and read it again today before we recorded, and um, you know we we keep seeing flashbacks to that to the day the accident happened, and right. and and first off, I love how as the book progresses, you get more and more of the front end of that. So it's like yeah. it kind of starts off with you know it's all upside down, and then and then towards later issues, we're actually seeing how it's going down with with uh sergey arguing with him and stuff and and ultimately what led to it is that you know everybody that hates aj and blames him for it 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 wasn't his fault really i mean he even he says like he takes ownership he's like you know i was the driver i you know it was my responsibility but you can't even if you're driving a car are you really responsible if your passenger wigs out and jerks the wheel (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that's and that's part of the like i wanted to play with i mean AJ is a character there was like, I, you know, but, but like, I'm the best driver and I should have been able to get out of that in his head. Right. Like yeah. he's going to take full responsibility and, you know, just, you know, I just wanted him to be like, you know, instead of this typical, you know, the typical criminal you see, that's like looking for an excuse to be a, a bad person. He takes full responsibility. Right. Right. And, and, and when she said that to him, it, it was almost like, fi- you know, finally someone is recognizing that he he's good here. You know, it's like it's because like, like besides his dad, I was really the only other person up until that point that really believed, like somewhat believed in him or, you know, didn't blame him for things. Right. Yeah. Well, Don. Yeah. He's got his best friend, Don. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but I mean, even he had a little bit of doubt, didn't he? In the yeah, beginning, a little bit. He was he was struggling trying to figure out, like did AJ go bad on me again? 
Right. You know. And the yeah. art. Oh. Stellar. Oh, yeah. The art in this is beautiful. It just fits it. Per- the art, the color, it just fits it perfectly. Yeah. that's. I loved, like, I mean, the story was kind of written for Nick. So I knew what, you know, his artwork when I saw it. I was like, oh, he's going to be perfect for something like this. And then... um. <laughs> Then we got Charlie on board, and Charlie sent in the first um, group of pages colored. And it actually took us a week to decide whether we liked it or not. And it was just because it was so different. You know, and it was like, wow. I mean, I like all my books to look different. Am I sure I want flat, like, no rendering? Right. You know, Nick and Kevin and I talked about it for a week solid going, I don't know, guys. I don't know. And then we showed it to Eric Stevenson because we were like, we can't make a decision. Can you help us out? And Eric Stevenson said, this is perfect. Don't mess with it. Uh, it, Yeah, he was right. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, my philosophy on my image books has always been like, I can't compete with Marvel and DC. I don't want my books to try to compete with Marvel and DC, even on artistic value. So I want them to look different. Right. You know, and that was, but like I said, when Charlie turned those in, I was like, oh, Charlie, I love you, but I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I got to think about this one for a bit. This might be too far. And, uh, and you know, but I should have had faith in him. It was, it's, it's perfect. Just like you guys said, it, it fits the book so well. It does. It really sets it apart. I mean, there, there aren't yeah. too many other books that look like The Hard Place, like especially in terms of the covers. Those, the A covers yeah. on this are... I, they're some of the most beautiful covers I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> I'm well, like was, really enamored with them, dude. I swear they will be framed and on my wall <laughs> as soon as I just get the right frame for them. <laughs> Something that'll hold five books wide because they've all got to be side by side. Well, I mean, Brian and I have been friends for a really long time, and uh, you know, when we came, when I went to him to do the book, do the the covers, I said. I really want you to try to do something different. Like, I mean, you're doing what you're doing for Marvel and DC and what you've done for years is incredible, but I kind of would like you to stretch your wings. Cause again, I can't compete with a Marvel or DC cover. I needed to be different. And he's like, so I can do whatever I want. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'll blow, blow it away. Like whatever you want is cool. And, uh, we never even like, he would send us kind of like a, a sketch of what he was thinking just to make sure he wasn't going too far. But I'm with you. I love those covers. Like when he sent in the the one with the French bulldog on it. And, you know, he's like, I mean, I know this isn't a major character. And I was like, no, this is beautiful. Like, just keep going. You know, like, don't don't mess with your formula. Oh, and to yeah. do like watercolor, you know, covers, I, you know, you don't see those a lot. And so, yeah, he killed it. That, yeah. that one that in the, in the number one with the that car skidding across. It just pops out so much. Were there were there variant covers? A lot of variant covers on these. No, we only did um we did the cover A's, which are always Brian. Uh, Nick did a cover B, and then there's a black and white of uh, Brian's covers that you can get. And then for number three, I believe we were lucky enough for uh, Skybound to pick us to do a uh, Walking Dead variant for that Walking Dead month. Oh, nice. I like it when they do those. Oh yeah, but Brian Stelfreeze, I I was so mad when he wasn't doing art on Black Panther anymore here recently. He, well, he'd pop up every now and then. I'm like, I just just I just want him every issue. <laughs> like, come on, man. I mean, 
I know his art that was so good. Oh, it was so good. I mean, just top of the notch good. Well, like to give give you a peek into like a little bit of how his mind works. The hard place covers, he decided he was going to do something hard on every cover and something soft on every cover. So there's always a person or an animal that's soft and even colors them softer. Yeah. And then there's always something like a car or a gun or a necklace. You know, something the rings, Maxim's rings at the end. There's always something hard and there's always something soft. That is interesting. Yeah. I've got the five A covers spread out all side by side in front of me, and that when you said that he does the soft ones softer, I was just I was going to bring that up too, because it's like the stuff that's hard is in really crisp detail right in the foreground, yeah. And then the softer stuff, it is it's it's colored softer. I mean, it definitely has that watercolor feel to it, and ah, the choice of color with it is so cool too. Yeah. He's amazing. I love like like you guys. I mean, I wanted him on Black Panther every month too, but Brian's just not that monthly guy. So they would have had to give him like a two year head start. To you know, I mean, because if he's gonna if you're gonna do stuff that nice, I guess you got to be willing to wait for it. Right. Marvel's not into like having like you know books that don't come out every month. So yeah, yeah. In yeah, that right there, that's where the creator owned arena with like image and stuff like that with books that go on hiatus. It's like. If you're a true fan and you really do appreciate what's going on in that creator-owned comic, you do not mind when your book goes on a you know a, a three to four month hiatus to give the artist chance to to catch up. Yeah, it's oh, I mind, book. but I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting model, that's for sure. I mean, I've we, I've had a couple of conversations with some of those people that are working on books like that. And even like at Image, and it's just kind of interesting because they do get a, a bit of a drop between each one, but something like Saga still kind of still maintains that twenty-five to thirty thousand, you know, copies per issue in sales. But they see like just a small drop every time they take a break. Oh. so it's you know it's just kind of interesting to see like how that mo- you know. But I mean, they're still making crazy money on something like saga and paper girls yeah i was gonna say if anybody drops off a of saga because oh, i just didn't <laughs> want to wait when they're on hiatus like send me your address so i can come slap you <laughs> come on yeah, excuse me but fuck you I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, saga, I don't know how they do it man i I, I, I don't know how they hit 50 issues and are still the quality is still just it it's it's amazing fiona staples is and I remember reading that. That was uh, a while back that uh, with uh, Brian K. Vaughn talking about how he, she was like the only one he ever – and what he does every month or every issue anyways is just sends her the script with no input on art at all. And she just has total creative freedom and she just knocks it out of the park every time. Oh, yeah. That makes me love Fiona Staples even more. She's Have you so guys amazing. ever talked to Fiona Staples? No. No. It'd be a dream come true. She's one of those rare people that once you talk to her for five minutes, you're going to think she's your best friend. Like she's that charismatic. Just this lovely person that like will take, like if you, if you wait in line and you walk up there, she doesn't like, Hey, sign your book and you need to move on. She's like, Oh, so Joe, like, where do you live? Oh yeah. Well, that sounds, and like I said, like you leave there going, I think Fiona and I are best friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's you amazing. 
Three leaves are going. Does he get magic? Yeah. I think I got a shot. You know, she's <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing, man. She's seriously, she's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm might be that. one of those artists that I, I think I'd be like, I would revert to like adolescent Joe and I'd just be tee hee hee and my face would turn red and I wouldn't be able to talk to her. <laughs> I mean, you're too talented and amazing. <laughs> but there's Somehow she knows how to still make you feel comfortable. Like I've seen her do it with people like that. And it always makes me really mad and want to hate her, even though she's such a nice person <laughs> because like I don't have that ability. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you do got that southern accent working for you, though, bud. Oh, thanks. <laughs> if that doesn't put people at ease. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if that doesn't put people at ease, I don't know what does. <laughs> there's well, just it's, a it's certain always, level of trust me. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's an interesting one because, like, if you have a southern accent, almost everybody else in the country just thinks you're a complete dumbass. <laughs> so if it, if it makes them feel comfortable it's because they think they're smarter than you <laughs> i was gonna say and then you tell them you're from florida and they're yeah. like wait a minute florida man dot 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 <laughs> just google that you'll get some funny results <laughs> i know what you mean too because like i have family in minnesota and every time i go up there I'm like you know i love your guy's accent no you have an accent you have that stupid accent <laughs> i'm like wait what they said that to me. And I'm like, oh, you got that stupid accent, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, 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 come on. Let's settle down, Paul Bunyan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife's got family in Minnesota. I love it when they come visit. Their accents are too cool. I love Minnesota. Ah, it's yes. brutal in the winter, but oh my God, it's so gorgeous in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, kind of jumping back to the hard place when when we had um, brought up Don earlier, I love the arc that Don goes on. How you know he he's there when AJ gets out of prison, and he's got that great sense of humor with him. But when shit does hit the fan, it does seem like he's kind of like, "Oh, come on, you're kidding me." But then by the end of it, he's like willing to risk his career, believing in his buddy, and it and it pans yeah. out. Right. Yeah, that was really cool. Oh, thanks, guys. I mean, I, I wanted to play with like, you know, I mean, I didn't, I couldn't have everybody trying to kill him, right? Like, <laughs> then there's no fun in that. But like, having a couple of characters that that get him, you know, and trust him and believe in him, like, you know, obviously the way I played his dad is like, his dad's going to love him no matter what he does. I loved his dad. Yeah. Yeah, pops is great. But you know, then having Don, who's kind of like that buddy you have that maybe's on the other side of the fence. From you, you know, but still is there for you no matter what. Yeah, his buddy being a cop was was perfect. Oh, thanks. I know that was an interesting twist, and and I loved it how it, he's kind of he's keeping on pursuing this. You know, you guys are just not seeing the angle on this. There's no ways involved with it, and just different random cops keep coming up and giving him body counts. And, and how many people <laughs> yeah. are in the hospital and stuff. And it's like, oh, even through all that, you know, you got to go through that barrage of shit from your coworkers and everything. Like, it, and it is really cool that even dealing with all that, he, he still came out in the end, you know, on his, on AJ's side. Yeah. And luckily he was right. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, there is that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was great. Cause they're like, yeah, come on. Don't, I mean, here it is right here on camera. Robbing a bank. No, you don't understand. You don't get it. There's something else going on here. 
It was, it was perfect. Thanks. Yeah, it was, that was a fun book to write just because it was, you know, there was an, in it, I tend to focus on character arcs. And so having AJ in this crappy situation where like he really doesn't know who he is at the moment, you know, after getting out of prison and realizing he doesn't want to go back. But then right. it's like, oh, I think I'm going back no matter what. You know, like, yeah. So, you know, just kind of putting him through hell, but still having all these other characters that, that love him and they're going through hell too, but they still believe in him. Yeah, it really, it, his dad, it, it just really touched me every time his dad was just really just there for him, no matter what. Yeah. He's great. He's just a great character. I loved all the scenes with him and his dad. Or panels, I should say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or so, scenes. Hey, get a movie, man. <laughs> oh, Hard yeah, Place would be an amazing uh, movie. Yes. <laughs> it's it's all ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting, like, I mean, uh, I do have an agent and, you know, talk to him about this kind of stuff. And he's, a, I, I don't ever write comics thinking movie. I write comics for comics. And if they go somewhere, that's fantastic. But that's not my goal. My goal is just to write comics. And, um, you know, obviously when this came out, right close to it was Baby Driver. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I was like, so, you know, I mean, with Baby Driver out, is there even, even any reason for you to shop this? He's like, yeah, but it's going to be like three or four years before they make a movie out of it. So by then, nobody will even know what, ba- you know, they won't even remember Baby Driver. You know, he's like, just think about Fast and Furious. I mean, they come out with a movie every couple of years. People like watching car movies. You know, and you're like, okay, I'll shop it around, then go for it, you know? Yeah, it always blows my mind how those Fast and Furious movies make a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Funny, I didn't like the beginning ones as much. But now the crazier they get, for some reason, the more I like them. <laughs> the more over the top they go. Yeah. The fact that they're racing a submarine. <laughs> I'm like, um, that submarine can't go more than 20 miles an hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's got about a top end of 30 knots. <laughs> yeah. And didn't yeah, The Rock, was... like, stop a missile with his bare hands and, like misdirect it or something like that something oh, crazy yeah, yeah the rock it's, it's absolutely insane but i love them like <laughs> like i said the crazier they get actually the more i like them because i'm like yeah when you're trying to do the, the serious fast and furious i'm not as much in but you know when i know you're coming in here and you're just going to do the craziest stunts i've ever seen on camera i'm I, I'll, I'll give you my money how about the rock <laughs> as aj can you see it oh that would be a tough one I mean, it's possible. I love The Rock. I absolutely love The Rock. Um, it's a money-making machine. Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see him take on that role because, I mean, a lot of times, you know, he's always playing the super tough guy that can kick everybody's butt. Right. And AJ's not that character. So it'd be interesting to see, like, their, their take of, like, this huge guy who isn't an ass-kicker. You know, he actually plays a not – not that character, like at all, but kind of a kind of a similar role in the movie Faster, right? Have you guys seen that? Oh yeah, I've seen I think it. I've seen that one. I love I love that movie. It was a little more in his earlier days, and it's not a perfect movie by any means, but I love watching that movie. Yeah, it is a solid. I like it too. I thought it was one of his one of his better ones. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. It's a great, great movie. So, like, I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, maybe he could do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't put anything past him. I think, I think he has the no. ability to do it. There's no doubt. That guy can do anything. Yeah, it's just like I said, he can stop missiles with his bare hands. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That made me think of that first story arc in Suicide Squad Rebirth when Boomerang does that. Yeah. <laughs> he grabs it and throws it, and they're like, are you boomeranging that? He's like, oh, I can boomerang anything, mate. <laughs> like, <laughs> flings the freaking torpedo right back into the underwater base they're breaking into. <laughs> well, what we keep saying on the Supercast, too, is, dude, the DCEU already has The Rock as Black Adam. Get that movie out now. Yeah. I mean, the I mean, we call it the rock effect. Any movie he's on, it's called the rock effect. It makes a ton of money. Yeah, and th- that'll be interesting because I think that that's one where I'm like, if you cast the rock as your villain, you got to be careful because he might be cooler than your hero. Right. Exactly. That could really backfire. You know, you're like, I mean, because he looks so good as Black Adam, and I'm like, man, Shazam. I mean, you guys better bring it. Because The Rock's a badass. Oh, and compared yes. to The Rock, they did not bring it with Shazam. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. From the not. set photos, I, I, I it's hard to see. It's like, no, that's that's one where we're going to be rooting for Black Adam. <laughs> I mean, we're programmed yeah. to root for The Rock at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, what is he? does like four or five movies every year now. <laughs> like four or five a month. <laughs> the guy's churning them out, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's huge on social media and stuff, too. I mean, the guy's just... He's one of those people that just can't do any wrong right now. No. He seems like, like he's genuinely nice, and he's funny. You know, he's he's obviously got this charisma where he's super cool. But, I mean, anytime I ever see him with fans or anything, he just seems like he's he's a really nice guy. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. And it's like... I, like, in the... okay. Picture like you're back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? <laughs> yeah. I told you that that guy would be like the top, like the top of the list of movie stars. Not only movie stars, human beings. In like 20 years, would you believe me? Oh, no. No. <laughs> I feel like no, the guy with the people's all. elbow. Yeah. The guy I mean, with look, the at, elbow. look at all the other actors who, I mean, uh, wrestlers who've tried. Oh, yeah. It's just always gone horribly wrong. Always. I guess it's kind of going right for John Cena right now. Kind (laughs) of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'll wait and see. I know he's getting a lot of movies and stuff. Um, Yeah, I like John Cena. I just don't know if he can pull off what The Rock has pulled off. The only John Cena movie I've ever seen was The Marine, and it was awful. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it was bad. It was really bad. Have you seen? Have you guys seen the one where he's the older brother, uh, the wrestler, John Cena? Yeah. No. That one's actually a good movie. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. He's not the star. It's a younger guy, and he's kind of like the older brother who's kind of life has gone to crap, and uh, but used to be a star wrestler in high school, and it's actually a good movie, and John Cena actually does a really good job in it. For some reason, I keep thinking of the movie Foxcatcher, but I don't think he was in that. No, I don't think it was called Foxcatcher. This one, I think this one also had a uh, Danny Glover in it. So, I think. 
Wasn't twelve? No, it wasn't twelve rounds. No, it wasn't one that like was highly, you know, that made this the circuit as far as like. Let me see if I can find it. I heard this story on a podcast where this guy was talking about his dad was riding first class in a flight. And he picked him up, and he's like, hey, how was the flight? And his dad's like, oh, I sat next to this total moron the whole time. He played Candy Crush for six hours straight. And then, <laughs> and then he had another friend that was on the flight, and his friend came and was like, dude, your dad sat next, sat next to John Cena the whole flight. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> this is odd, but according to IMDb, he voiced Hulk in a Marvel video game. Oh, really? That's great. John Cena's the Hulk. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. no kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was called Legendary. No, I've definitely never seen it. Yeah. He actually did, a, like I said, he's not the star in the movie, but he actually did a good job in it. John Cena doing a good job of acting. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him in anything yet. I, I've heard that his part in Trainwreck was really funny, but I've, I haven't gotten around to watching that one yet. When I liked him, what was his sisters? Where he's like the drug dealer? Have y'all seen that part? <laughs> no, no, I haven't seen that. He's he's actually pretty funny in that one too. Um, but it's it's just a, a tiny bit part. So, oh, uh, sisters with um, Tina Fey. Tina Fey, yeah. Okay, I didn't know he was in that. I've never seen it. Yeah, he's he's actually the drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, when I was uh, I was a little bit younger, I bought his album when it came out because I was a wrestling fan then. Is is a rap album? I was oh just my saying, God, no, tell me it's, it's rap. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. But back then, yeah, it was really cool. Oh, I'm making a note right now. John Cena rap. It even has the WWE Championship belt, the one that spins. Yeah. <laughs> <on> the- <laughs> Oh man, that guy is crap. I remember when <laughs> I was watching wrestling, then he like every time he won a championship, like the US championship, he won it, he changed it to a spinner belt. <laughs> and then he went and won the WWE one, then he goes and changed that to a spinner belt. So apparently <laughs> that was the thing for a little while. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're spinning wheels on cars, they're spinning buckles on belts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So is it is it a dream to work for Image as much as I think it is? Because like I see all these creators jumping over there and they can do things that they want to do, and they have a lot of freedom. Is that as true as I'm led to believe? <laughs> it's it's scary and it's a dream at the same time. If that makes sense, yeah. Because there's no other company that works like Image, so I love working for Image because I'm not risk averse. But a lot of people like, hey, wait a minute, what do you mean? You know, we kind of put the book out, and if it doesn't make money, I don't get paid. And it's it's so interesting because, like, seeing the different creators come over, and some of them have been successful with it, and some of them haven't. And because, you know, if you're, if you're pitching your superhero book to Image, they're like, yeah, we don't do superheroes for the most part. You know, obviously Invincible was different. Right. But, um, but so, like, yeah, you've got to – there's a lot of pressure there too because just, you know – just because you're a big name with Marvel and DC doesn't mean your image book is going to sell well. Right. So it really comes down to the concept and the execution of that concept, and hopefully your name helps. 
So in a, in a lot of ways, it is a dream come true because you do get to do what you want. And Image is fantastic to work with. They're real supportive. They've helped me out a ton. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they're you pay, you know, basically the first $2,500 the book makes goes towards image to pay for, you know, production and ads and previews and that kind of stuff. And the rest of the money's yours. If you make any more money than that, right. <laughs> so like, you know, there's with Marvel and DC, I mean, whether the book does well or not, Brian Michael Bendis is going to get his, you know, page rate. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. That I makes that sense. I, I didn't know that either, but that totally does make sense. So it's, it, talking to friends, like I've talked to friends who haven't come over to image yet anyway, and you can tell there's fear there. You know, they're like, so how does this work? And when you tell them, they're like, so if the book doesn't do well, I don't get paid. You're like, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know that, that, that would be a little bit scary. Oh Yeah. I mean, especially if, if writing comics is your primary occupation and you put a bunch of time and effort. And I, I'd imagine you got to put a lot of your own money in up front just to get it the book made in the first place, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, obviously you're going to, depending on your, your artists and that kind of thing, like, luckily with Daniel on plastic, he was like, he, he would have done it for free. But I was like, no, dude, like you're about to put, you know, eight months of your life into this book. There's no way. But he, he gave me a super discount on, like, he was doing it for $100 a page. Um, now, with Laura Martin and, and and Ed on lettering, like, I had to pay them their rate. You know, they're not going to do it for free. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, quite a bit of money out already before the first issue came out. And so. See, okay. Yeah. So and that's a lot of I'm, your own money into it? Oh, yeah. At first? Okay. I mean, luckily that book did really well, so we made more than our money back. So I'm super excited about that. But uh, but I mean, it, it, that book was scary. That book was scarier to me than The Hard Place, just because of the content. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I had, we honestly had no clue whether it would sell or not. You know, you're like, do people really want to read about a serial killer that's in love with a blow-up sex doll? Like... Yes, they do. That's what I was just <laughs> going to say. You beat you. me to it, Jordan. <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you. The wonderful thing we found out is there's plenty of sick people out there just like us. So uh, we were pretty happy that. <laughs> Made me consider getting a blow-up doll of my own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> life, life could be easier. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's too fucked up. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, we we had a new gal start at uh, my local comic shop, and the first day she was there, I was talking to her, and she's telling me that she was more into creator own books, and she's like, I don't know, I, she's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just love really fucked up books, and so right away I was like, Well, you've read Plastic, right? And she's like, No, no, I haven't read that one. I'm like. Go grab the trade off the shelf, read it, and then you're going to buy it because you're going to want to read it again. And then it was, a, it was a couple months later when I ran into her again. She's like, you're the guy who recommended Plastic. I'm like, yeah, did you like it? And she's like, it's my favorite book. And I'm like, nice. Awesome. Well, thank, you for, thank you for selling the copy for me. <laughs> thank you for writing it. I think, awesome. 
I don't think Jordan was on the last one, but like Joe, you and I talked about like one of the the freaky things to me that I found out is that the majority of plastic buyers are female. And that oh, wow. like, yeah, I would not have expected. Wow. Yeah. At cons, depending on the con, like at Baltimore con last year, it was 70, 30, like 70% of the people buying plastic were female. That's amazing. Shit. That's too yeah. cool. That is awesome. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I, having female customer, more female customers as our base can't do anything but help our industry. So. Oh, I'm, no I'm, kidding. But I wouldn't have guessed that, you know, it's just, it's a violent comic, you know, the, the lead female you could argue isn't a real person. <laughs> you know, right. so, like, yeah. <laughs> so, but that's also what's so great about it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, but you know, I really read a lot of books and I seriously, plastic is one of those books that stuck out to me more than any of them. I mean, it was, I loved reading that book every time it came out. It's like, I just couldn't, <laughs> it sounds funny, but like I could not wait to see where the sex doll was going next. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just the links that Edwin would go for yes, retribution. Yes. And every time he caught somebody in the in the act of violating Virginia, he called it out. And then that person paid the price in that way. Yeah. I loved that shit if someone looked at her wrong. Oh, oh dude, last week I had to use a spork at work and I thought about plastic the whole time I was eating. <laughs> I was like, damn it, Doug. <laughs> I had to get, and I did get, I got every variant, the Deadhead variants. Oh, nice. I loved them, man. I loved those variants. I I know. I I, I just got the A covers, and now plastic is like blown up so much, which is awesome, but at the same time, it's like, it is hard to get those Deadhead variants on eBay right now. Is it? Yeah, they're not giving them away at retail, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Yeah, especially the first two, because, you know, those sold out day one. Yeah, and um, I think I think at the last show I went to, which was last weekend, I think no, the weekend before, um, I sold my very last number one deadhead. So now I have none. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that many to begin with, but it's just crazy to see him go. You should have one though. You're the creator of the book. <laughs> I'm sure I've got one somewhere. I'll send you mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's my head. I should have one. (laughs) He'll send it to you maybe with a self-addressed stamped box to send it back with a signature. (laughs) (laughs) I I loved it when they came out. I loved, I I had to see, you know, whose head was in the bag next or what was going on next. That was almost as fun as reading the book. (laughs) That's awesome. It, it is awesome. I, God, yeah, I loved. I just loved that book, man. It was a great book, and it was a hard book to get. I remember if I if I didn't have it on my pull list, I wouldn't have got it. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Like I said, I mean, we had no clue, right? Otherwise, you know, if I'd have had any idea how well the first issue would have done, I would have probably printed another five or six thousand. Right. But you know, when we got to FOC, you know, final order cutoff, um, you know, I think we were around sixteen. 
And we're like, okay, you know, we'll print an extra five or six. And then, of course, day one, it's like, oh, they're all gone. And, I, you know, we were, we were blown away. Like, I'm still humbled by it. I'm like, what? It's just one of, you know, you just don't expect a book like that to hit the niche market it did and, and do as well as it did. Right. How how does a second printing work with image that way? Like if they all if they all saw obviously the book's doing good, would I mean would they go to you and say they would fund a second printing? Oh no, they they call you and say, do you want to do a second printing? And we did okay. on the first and the second one. And again, that's it's so weird. Um, you know what I found out from that book that I didn't really know a lot about is like second printings don't typically do really well. They're usually a low print run. But like, once retailers sell out of some sell out of something, they they kind of shy away from second printings. Yeah, yeah, a lot. I mean, because I know a lot of people just consider second printings worthless. Right. But then I remember my comic shop manager once told me he said, "Well, I, it's actually opposite." In some, he's like, "In some cases, the second printing numbers were so low that they're more rare than the first printings." Yeah, I mean, the second printing on. On the first cover for or the first or first issue of plastic, there's only three thousand copies. I see. I, I never thought of it that way until he said yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, collectors. I'd say the vast majority of collectors then are looking at it the wrong way. Yeah, you should be going for the lower print runs. You know, because that totally term. changed my view. Yeah, <laughs> the second and third printings. And the, and the books that get up there in like the five and six, I'm like, ah, Jesus, like that's insane, man. Like Thanos, like every issue, uh, Donny Cates, when he was on it anyways, they were, they still have like fourth, fifth printings coming into my shop every week. Dude, yeah. my, Thanos, my Thanos number 14 is a fourth printing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Donnie's just had the magic, the pat, like the stuff with Redneck and God Country I mean, I think God Country was like on its fifth or sixth. Oh, I'd believe it. God Country was such a good miniseries. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. And Redneck is easily one of my favorite books. And, yeah, and Redneck is still building. Like, I, yeah. the way that that last arc finished, uh, just unbelievable. Yeah. I kind of love and hate the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I would, too. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I love his work, and he's always been a really nice person. Um, the fact that he just keeps churning out great story after story without a miss is just irritating as hell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Not man, fair. with plastic in uh, the hard place, I, you can argue you're in the same boat right now. Yeah, well, but I don't have Marvel having me write all their popular characters and still and still producing good work. So... <laughs> that's what that's I mean I can understand if he's putting out like one or two books every month but you know now he's doing like four or five and they're yeah. still good you know and I'm like ah I don't know how you do that and do you know how an, like an exclusivity deal works like Mar like let's say like Marvel hires him, ex him exclusively he still obviously can write the books that he was doing before right for well, as long I, as he wants it depends on the contract okay okay I kind of figured it probably. I, I guarantee like with Donnie, you know, and talking to him a, the little, the few times I have, like when it came to like Redneck, he was like, "No, I'm finishing Redneck," because I know that's when they offered him the exclusives when he started that book. Yes, 
and it freaked me out. Yeah, I remember <laughs> us talking about that on Comic Cast a long time ago. I think we were like, "No, <laughs> we got to see where this is gonna go." Yeah, I was like, "Dude, I I, I would love Kate some of their Marvel, but not if that means I don't get any more baby teeth or redneck." Yeah, I don't know. So I guarantee you with him, he, that was part of his, he's like, hey, listen, I will sign exclusive and start no new books, but everything I'm currently, I have going on, I get to keep doing until I'm done. And then even that smaller one, Joe Reactor. Yeah. I even love that one. Who, what publisher is that again? Vault. Vault, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and I totally missed that one because it was Vault. Yeah. Do- Vault just did a book called Wasted Space. Have, have I really read that? No. It was really, really good. Uh, it's huh. just got number one out so far. Um, oh, I think it was Marechi? Maresi? I can't yeah. think of his first name off the top of my head. He's the writer on it, I think. And it was great. It was this dude who's like... Um, it takes place like in the future where there's space travel and everything. And this guy was a, a kind of a failed prophet or it was a prophet that like the, the movement got out from under him and the world kind of went to shit as a result. And so he's kind of just been hiding out. But then this, this, he kind of gets found and forced back into it for the good of, of the universe. And you kind of come to figure out that he was the voice of the creator. And this other person meets up with him that claims to be the eyes of the creator. Huh. Yeah, and so and it's great. And then there's this other character that at the end of the book is like, okay, the Alpha and the Omega have found each other. You know, I'm gonna go kill them before they can, you know, complete their mission or whatever. And as far as number ones go, it was great. So I mean, so far the only Vault books I've read are Reactor and then Wasted Space, but they've both been great so far. So I mean, Vault might be one of those companies to really watch because. That was how I felt with Aftershock. I hadn't read an Aftershock book until Baby Teeth, and now I've read several great Aftershock titles. Well, when I saw he had that out on Vault, that also made me think, like, okay, like, no, no disrespect to Vault at all, but, like, if Mar- if he's doing this exclusive deal with Marvel, he's got these other great books coming out, why would he do a book for Vault? So it made me wonder if, like, maybe that's something he always – that's a story he always wanted to tell that they gave him a shot at doing – where I'm always interested in how stuff like that works out. Yeah, I, w- I would bet that, that one was probably in the process when he signed on for Marvel. Right. And, you know, you never, I don't know the whole story behind that one, but I could see Vault definitely going, you know what, Donnie, let's like wait. Let's let you get Thanos out, do, do some Doctor Strange stuff, because that'll help sell this book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get some more heat on him. Oh, yeah. So is is Image your favorite publisher to write for? Oh yeah, hands down. I love working. I just actually went up there for a day trip uh, to Portland and and met with just about everybody at the Image office. Um, more just like you know talking about next year and that kind of stuff with Eric, but then um, talking to the PR department, uh, talking to the out retailer outreach, digital sales, and then just kind of going around and like thanking everybody that works there for you know all the shit they put up with for me, <laughs> you know, so, right. <laughs> you know, and then just thanking them for being, you know, on top of the, on top of their game. So I love, you know, like I said, I love working for image. Um, they're, I think they're doing the best, you know, obviously some of the other books we're talking about, like vault aftershock, you know, some of the, but I think overall image is doing the best indie books. 
Yeah, oh, Image, Image is the best publisher. I mean, hands down. I mean, Marvel and DC is always going to be Marvel and DC. But Image is just they they put it. I mean, I, like I said earlier, I Marvel really makes me mad with a lot of things they do. DC is killing it. I think Rebirth was the best thing they had, they could do for themselves, and it has just been highly successful. I love what DC's doing, and they're going even in kind of another new direction now, which is like all of their new Age of Heroes books are just fantastic. And they have some other stuff coming out too, but you go over to Image, and it's just like, like if I, seriously, I, I go through the previews book every month. I don't care who's writing it, what it is, any number one from Image I'm getting. Because you've got, like with the Image number one, you have like a 75% chance that that book is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And, and, and is it because just because they give your freedom, you have no, like I can understand the draw of one, you know, of course that's your dream to want to write, you know, Superman, Batman or whoever it would be. But I, I can't, I can only imagine the restrictions you're under when you're writing for those guys. Yeah. I like, mean, there's definitely, you're playing with somebody else's toy. So, you know, they're right. only you do so much. I think the fact that every it seems like every year there's a wave of image books that you know raise the game another level just one more time. And so now people are when they come to image they know, hey, if I go to image, I can't just write what I want to write. I've got to write something good or great. Right? You know, so like I mean you're competing against Donnie, you're competing against Kirkman's new book, you know. I shouldn't say competing, but you kind of are. You know, and like Redlands and Moonshine and, you know, the list just goes on and on of like great books they're putting out. So I think it, it inspires you to do your best work. You know, I'm not going to lie, man. I Redlands, I, I fell off Redlands. I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me understand what was going on exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I didn't really know what was going on in it either. It had a very strong number one though. Yes, yeah, did. with the the flashback with everything and how it was set up, and then issue number two, I remember being thoroughly confused, and that yes. confusion lasted the whole rest of the first arc. <laughs> but, I mean, it was a beautiful book, yeah, and and yeah. oh, gorgeous, and and it made a little bit more sense to me. So it made me wonder, like, am I just not smart enough to get this book? Because I, I read an article, <laughs> you know, about how is you know, like, hey, you know, look at all these I strong... I questioned my intelligence, too. Like, you know, look at all these strong female characters, and that's where this book is really coming from. And I was like, oh, okay. So now I kind of want to go back and read the, the first arc again through through a, a you know a different perspective, because maybe I just had different expectations going into it just based off that number one. But... But yeah, I, I I read the whole first arc on that one, and then I I ended up dropping it off too. But my my pull list is also one of those ones where it's it's already twice as big as what I wanted it to be, <laughs> and so it's yeah. like I just sit and look at it every once in a while, and I'm like, okay, what can I drop off? And I look through every single. I have my comics like totally nerdily organized as well, where I've got like different cards and everything that separates them all out in this box, and. <laughs> And I like look. I look down the list. I'm like, what can I drop? And it's like nothing. And then I start rationalizing myself. And I'm like, well, this is a mini series. <laughs> there is easily thirty three percent on here. Mini series. They're gonna be ending soon. And then it's gonna drop down. But but like my my trip to the comic shop today. I think I had like nine titles I picked up. I was like, shit. And I know Jordan. That's nothing compared to how many you pick up. But 
It's ever expanding, man. I'm I'm spending two hundred and ten dollars a week at the comic shop right now. Wow, nice. Yeah, Jordan is a big part of your industry, Doug. Yeah, <laughs> he fits into the bottom line. They love me. I can tell you how much. Oh yeah, they they're closed on Tuesdays, but not for me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, he's worth I'm, he's worth showing up to work for. Yeah. I'm the only one allowed in there on Tuesdays. It's funny. Didn't the shop owner customers. call you up and say that he would come pick you up and drive you to the shop to get your pull list? That, he said he would deliver them to me. <laughs> wow. um, he offered to take me out to eat once. He gets wined and dined. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Like... <laughs> Jordan's an LCS VIP. I love it. <laughs> it's true. He, he's he's a great guy. He's a little weird, but he's a great guy. Everyone's a little weird. I'm a little yeah. weird. Every, yeah, everybody's a little weird. And then if you know you're in our group, you're definitely weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you're if you're in the comic book reading crowd in any shape or form, you know even down to letterers. We're all weird. You know, you talk about letters. That reminds me. I, I always think colorists are underappreciated. Because, yeah. man, I sometimes I look at a book and I'm like, dude, if, the, if it wasn't this colorist and this color, this would not work. Yeah. It, I, I love the, the colorists a lot of times. And, you know, I know the artist get, mostly gets all the praise. And, and rightfully so. I mean, they, you know, they do a lot. But, god damn, some of those books are just... The coloring is just amazing on them. Yeah. I mean, it's I've done a little bit of all of it, except drawing, because I can't draw at all. But um, if you tinker with any of that, like coloring or lettering, and you learn like how hard it can be and what an art it is, you realize yeah. like there's nobody on the team. Because I'm sure you guys have seen books that have been badly lettered. Yeah. If they're badly lettered, it ruins the book. Yes, it, it does. It makes them hard to read. Right. And so, I mean, everybody on the team and every person involved in it, like, is a make or break kind of team member. And like you said, I mean, I think colorists, especially now, I think there's so many amazing colorists out there that aren't getting the credit they deserve. And letterers, of course, don't get any credit. And, you know, then the production people that put your book together, you never hear about them at all. You know, <laughs> like... You're like, right. Yeah, if, I, if I have a bad production person, they can totally screw my book up. You know, so yeah, it's just it's crazy to see like that that they're not getting more credit than they sh- should. I it blew my mind. Never thought of that with the production team, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, Shauna over at Image is the the production person that handled the, the plastic stuff. And I mean, she saved our butt on a couple of pages where we just missed stuff because, you know, it's not our thing. And she'd call up and say, hey, you know, this one's not at the right DPI or whatever. And we're like, oh, my God, we sent you the wrong file. And so without her attention to detail on that kind of stuff and picking up stuff that we missed or we might have done wrong, that book wouldn't look as good as it does. Right. No, I know. You know, that's something I you don't think about at all. And letters, it blew my mind when I found out how hard it was to letter. Like, I sat down and tried it once with, with just a script, and I was like, no. Yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. it's It sucks. And uh, 
if there's one thing I don't mind writing a check for, it's letters. Because I know if that letter doesn't do it, it's going to fall on me to do. And it's not going to look as good as they're going to do. So, like, if, I, if you're not willing to spend four or $500 to have your book lettered, you don't believe in it. You know? like, right. You need yeah. to walk away. <laughs> That's a really good point. Because there are some, like, especially just, like, digital ones that are out, you know, where I've read it and I've been like, what is wrong with these word bubbles? They just don't look right. Like, yeah. it, between the text and, and just, like, the subtle like coloring of it. It's like, did they just have this too bright white? Like there's just something about it. That's not right. Whereas you shouldn't have to think, you shouldn't be thinking about that stuff when you're reading it. You should just be, you know, these are the words in the book, not for whatever reason, these word bubbles are taking me out. Yeah. And that's usually the trick. Like, I think that's why letterers don't get the appreciation they should, because a good letterer, you don't know. Like the, the best thing, the best compliment I think you can give a letter is, I didn't recognize your, I didn't see your work because it flowed so seamlessly with the art and the dialogue That's that true. I didn't pay any attention to it. That's true. What do they call it? It's a thankless job. Oh yeah. <laughs> now That's is it the letter? You... Oh, sorry, Jordan. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, is it the letter that puts in like, like all the sound effects stuff like like in the flashback scenes in the hard place with with aj you know cranking the ignition and you get those stylized you know clack clack clacks going across is that the letter that puts that stuff in or is that the artist that puts that in well in the hard place it was a little 50 50 nick hand drew a lot of sound effects in that book oh cool yeah so that's why you're getting something really unique in there um there was a couple obviously that he didn't put in there and and frank had to uh Coming to do the sound effects, but like all the sound effects and plastic, Ed did. So, you know, stuff where you've got blood going over the top of a sound effect, that's all him. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's too cool. That makes me think is I wonder if there's any books out there anymore that are purely hand drawn sketch. Like, because I know that digitalized, you know, digital, everything's digital now. You know, digital comes in, digital coloring, digital this, that. I wonder if there's any books out there anymore that are just pure, hand, you know, hand-drawn, hand-colored. I really thought about that. Yeah. I'm sure there's some web comics that are. Um, books would be a whole, like, hand-coloring them and then sending that to the printer. That's that's a whole new ball game, Right. Yeah, that's... Because, I mean, if you mess that up or those pages get damaged on the way... You've got to start from scratch. Oh, wow. It's like I go back and look at comics from like that. You're like Golden Age, Silver Age. I'm like, thank God for digitalized stuff now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because it just looks so much better. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I'm too used to the new stuff. When I go back and read stuff, like if it goes too much before the early 90s, I'm like, oh, this is is, is weird. It's not what I'm used to. But if it weren't for this, I wouldn't have what I have today, so I need to re- appreciate this. <laughs> have, have you guys ever seen one of the original pages back in, like, say, the 80s and 70s, That how they colored it back then? No. I've I've seen a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to go back and see because, like, they would put, like, little almost post-it notes pointing to a certain space and go, here's the color code for that. Yeah. And they had to do that for every single page. Every single panel. So it's like, how do you go through that and then get rid of that stuff back then? 
Yeah. It's crazy to think about like how I, I just can't imagine doing it that way. It's like, oh, here in the far background is Colossus. Oh, here's his color codes. Let me point to each section and tell you what color it's supposed to be. <laughs> Half of wow. it's just color codes. Yeah. Everything's just kind of like hidden from that. It's like yeah. a big forest to just letters showing what color everything's supposed to be. It's mm-hmm. like a paint by numbers thing. Oh, yeah, totally. That's, oh, that's exactly what it reminds me yeah, of. Yeah, right? Thank you. So I remember, like, back when I saw it, I was like, this this reminds me of something. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. No, that's I remember hilarious. those when I was a kid. Well, and speaking of digital stuff, that like, like Doug, what kind of guy are you? Like, I'm I, – I, don't get me wrong. I like digital comics. I think – honestly, I think in a way they probably maybe even really helped kind of save the industry lately with a lot of people being able to just get them, you know, immediately on their tablets and stuff. But I, I'm not a digital guy. I, I have to have it in paper in my hands. I just, when I read a comic, I, in my opinion, I'm not reading a comic from looking at it on the screen. I mean, I'll do it in certain circumstances like Marvel Unlimited and stuff, but man, I'm one of those guys that I got to have the book in my hands. Yeah. I'm a tactile guy. I have to have the book. The only the only way you're going to get me like this week, I spent too much money on comiXology because like they threw all the Mobius stuff on half price. You know, I'm never going to buy all those books. So, but to have them just to look at, you know, I'm like, I'm totally in. And so, you know, if they throw a big sale like that, I will go drop some, some coin on it. But if I have my druthers, like I want, I want a, a paper copy. Right. That's how I am too. Yeah. Yeah, just the feel of it in your hand, the smell of the comic book, it's oh, oh god, it's a special thing. I'm going to start talking about the smell of the comic book, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is a smell unrivaled by anything else in the world. That was the best part of my pull list being so huge today. <laughs> <laughs> you're walking out, you just have your face buried in the bag, just taking it like you're whipping coke or something. <laughs> and you walk by someone, they're like looking at you like, what? is that guy doing i'm smelling my comics what do you think i'm doing it's like we're in the parking lot of the comic shop why are you even judging me right now (laughs) like why are your pants off (laughs) like just settle down (laughs) and i hate when i like i have so many superhero shirts like i counted the other day i have like 70 something superhero (laughs) shirts wow and so that's all i wear and i honestly i don't know why i wear it because i hate it when i call normal people when a normal person <laughs> asks me what my shirt means, like you wouldn't even understand. Like I can sit here and try to explain this to you for like fifteen minutes, but you're not gonna get it. So don't ask me. You know, and then I'm, and then I'm like, I'm an asshole. Why? <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> uh, the best was when when you said you were wearing your Saga Goose shirt, and someone said they liked your kitten shirt. <laughs> I will never wear that shirt in public again. <laughs> Does this look anything like a fucking cat to you? I mean, <laughs> it was so irritating. Well, I've got the uh, the lion cat image shirt that I put out. You know, just had the headshot with the cat saying "lying in a bubble." No, nice. oh, me too. And uh, yeah, people are always like, "So what's that about?" Yep. You're like, yeah, just like you, Jordan. I'm like, um. It's a cat that knows when you're lying. I mean, what do you say to him, right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> right. Right. 
oh, I go deep. I wait to I wait for them to get that glazed look in their eyes, and I just keep pushing forward. <laughs> like, hey, you asked, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So in issue one, <laughs> like, oh god, man. exactly. Well, I've I've been asked multiple times when I had that because I had that same shirt, that lion cat shirt. They'll ask, so what are you lying about? <laughs> I'm serious. I've been asked that multiple times. Like, I'm not lying, but he's a cat. You, <laughs> you just you don't even know. You don't yeah. even know. Because I mean, Lion Cat to me is like I mean, I'd have to say right now, like one of my top ten characters. Oh, like, without a doubt, both I of ours it. too. Yeah, love that character. It was brilliant. Joe's got the Lion Cat statue. Yeah, it's, it's I've got beautiful. The Lion Cat figure. Yeah, Lion Cat, and and the, the amazing thing how good of a character he is. He has one piece of dialogue every issue. Yeah, <laughs> and he is amazing. Yeah, if I mean, it is a has it ever even been established? I don't. What if Lion Cat's a he or she? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, either. Yeah, there is that scene where the Will's on Sextillion, and they say animals aren't allowed here, and he tells Lion Cat he's got a split. And he's like, ah, you wouldn't have fun anyway. And as he's as Lion Cat's walking away, he's like, lying. Yeah. So it makes you wonder. Yeah. <laughs> huh. These are, see, these are the things that keep me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the brilliance of that book and Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona. Like, the fact that Brian is able to use a character that we don't know anything about other than that it can tell you whether it's lying or not. But has some of the most powerful scenes I've ever seen in a comic. Yeah, yeah, yep. and then they, they can have the most sexually centered pages. I mean, I mean, ever, and it just flows perfectly. It's yeah. so weird. Oh, I know the sex stuff we see in Saga is like, like, like kind of depending on what it is. It's it's either delightful or you're just like, whoa, what is this like? <laughs> Like this, like the the two page spread with the dragon sucking its own dick. Yeah, you're like, what the fuck? But then you see like like the one flashback where like uh, Alana's riding Marco and she's holding oh, on to his horns. Yes. It's like, of course she's holding on to his horns. That's fantastic. That's what those are for. Yeah, yeah. what a great idea. <laughs> oh, and then <laughs> this is about to get real dirty. And then <laughs> and then what did she say to me next uh, when I said the next page? <laughs> when she, what was it? Um, was she squirting like a broken fire hydrant? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that like issue 51 or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> She's like writing Marco's face. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, what a way to open an issue. <laughs> yeah, it In does open face, like that, doesn't literally. it? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Yeah, Marco with the magical cunnilingus. <laughs> like, well, well done, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot he was using magic, wasn't he? <laughs> so, Joe, when you meet Fiona, I would bring that scene up to her. Oh. <laughs> Remember, I told you about the blushing <laughs> and the childlike I, regression. How am I going to bring that up? <laughs> I will. She drew it. She drew it. I will ask her about it. Like, is it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> So yeah, I think you open up with that. I think you walk up to the table and you're just like, so, cunnilingus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I'm not sure if I need to ask you or Mr. Vaughn about this. <laughs> but does Marco just have like a really good core strength? Was it helped out that they were in the water? <laughs> yeah. Just totally geek out on the scene. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I like Jason Lee's character in Mallrats, that Kevin Smith flick, where he keeps asking oh, yeah. Stan Lee all the superhero sex questions. <laughs> Yeah, but but the see, thing is, his rock made or is his dick made of orange rock too? <laughs> Were these two pages based off of a true story? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> the awkward. Yeah, I mean the sad the, the sad part about that is, I think you might be able to go to jail for this. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you go to jail for anything now. Yeah. Be like, oh, thanks for visiting my table, Jordan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Security. <laughs> yeah, the cops will now escort you out of the convention center. Hey, if she says my name, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> she knows my name. <laughs> it's like the cops the... are dragging you out. You're just screaming that over and over again. <laughs> yes, yes. That's like when I tweeted off of the Supercast account. I uh, Donny Cates is the best writer in comics. He's like, thanks, man. And I was like, like, oh, my God. He said thank you. <laughs> he acknowledged me. <laughs> oh, that would funny. be awkward, but she'd remember it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, she's had to have been asked about that before. Oh, I'm sure. Again, we're talking about our group, right? Like- right. Exactly. <laughs> There's somebody that has Joe's syndrome of being like too anxious when they walk up to talk to somebody and they can't say anything but cutlingus. You know, like <laughs> the whole time I'm approaching the table, I'm like, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. And then it's the only thing in your head when you're there. Yeah. Yes. The only, only words you can get out. She's like, yes. <laughs> like, so, like, earlier you'd mentioned that you were. Like right, you know, riding with Brian still freezing them. Are there like a lot of guys that write for Image or a publisher that are like a t- sort of like a tight knit group? Like, do a lot of you guys know each other real well? No, not really. I mean, it's um, I mean, I have plenty of friends in the industry, and that's just from like going to shows and that kind of thing. Um, but like as far as like a tight group, you know, that all works for the same company kind of thing, it just really comes down to like who you get along with. Um, now. I've been lucky enough to like talk to to like Justin Jordan at, at shows and Jeremy Hahn. And like, so I've, I kind of feel like I've gotten a little bit to know those guys a little bit more because we, we talked to business of image together. Right. But there's not like, we don't talk to each other about story or anything like that. It's usually like, Hey, I tried this in my book and it didn't work. Don't do it. And, you know, like trying to figure out how to make what we do better. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jeremy um, and Just both have been fantastic at like sharing ideas and talking about, you know, like, hey, why do we think this works? Why do we not think that works? Those kind of things. You know, we're all just trying to figure it out. So That's awesome. Yeah. I, I got to meet Jeremy Hahn at C two E two and I talked to him briefly and he signed my paperback trade of uh the realm. Yeah. Really, really cool guy. Oh yeah, he's super cool. I love Jeremy. He's he's a really nice guy. Great book. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, the realm's awesome. That I uh, I think number six is coming out pretty soon too. Yeah, I think it's like next week or something. 
then uh, Seven to Eternity comes back. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited about that. I can't wait to see yeah. where Commander's going to go with that next. Has yeah, anybody else sure. read Death or Glory? Yes. I haven't read it yet, but I picked it up. Oh, yeah. You're in for a treat with that one. It was fun. Oh, fun, sweet. number one. is a, a like a double double size issue, too, right? Like 40 yeah, pages? It was, yeah, it was real big. It was, it was awesome. It was I, awesome. I've always been a fan of Bengal, so... The second I saw he was doing a book, I was like, yeah, I'm in. The remainder yeah. just, he always does great. Yeah. Yeah, the, the art in the art in that was so good. There's a really cool two-page splash, too, with a with a car in it. But, you know, after after reading Hard Place and the ride and stuff, I think you're going to love that page, Doug. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've already seen that one because Kevin over 12 gauge sent it to me immediately. He was like, Oh my God, look how gorgeous this is. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to read that one. <laughs> um, I love classic cars, but I'm, I'm not into them enough to be able to just glance at like a body style and immediately know it. Unless it's like a fastback Mustang, then I'll know what I'm looking at. But what, what kind of car is that? That, that is AJ's car that he gets again in the, in the, at the end of the fourth issue. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a Barracuda. Okay. That's awesome. Right. That was a powerful scene in that, too. His dad hands him the keys. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian is like, Brian actually used to draw for car magazines. So that's why he draws them so well. But like, Oh, he's wow. Also, he's got this insane database of what they look like exactly. So... And Brian's not a car guy per se, but like he knows them all, if that makes sense. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So it, with when we were riding it, I was like, yeah, Nick, you know, pick whatever car you want. And I, I, I love looking and driving at cars, but I'm not like a car nut. That's kind of how I am. Yeah. Like them, but don't, not obsessed with them. No. Yeah, same <laughs> yeah. here. Like, I mean, I love them all. I love going to car shows and looking at, you know, especially, I love the older cars um, just because, you know, I mean, they're American muscle, so they're amazing. But uh, I'm not, I couldn't tell you, like, the difference between, like, say, a 56 and a 57. Oh, me either. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm dorky enough with Mustangs that I can pick those out. But my, my first car that I ended up getting in high school was an 83 Mustang. And so then I went down this rabbit hole. And became obsessed with Mustangs, and I had all these books and read about them and shit. And so, like, the first time I saw Gone in 60 Seconds with that GT500, I was just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, I love the look of older Camaros and stuff like that. But if it's not a Mustang, you got to tell me what it is. Otherwise, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's some of those, like, yeah, I just couldn't, you'd have to tell me, you know, hey, it's this car. Because some of them are a little too similar. Oh, I just noticed we lost Jordan for a sec. Sounds like he's going to be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so one of the things I wanted to ask you about the hard place is... Um, we get that scene where Don goes into the morgue where he's kind of chasing that lead. Yeah. And 
the coroner is doing an autopsy and he brings up something about the stomach ruptured on the person. Is that an Easter egg for seven? Or did you just kind of throw that in for fun just because it'd be a fucked up cause of death? Yeah, I just do it in for fun. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what's, what's this, you know, and what's the strangest thing this guy could say, (laughs) you know, like, how did he die? You know, it's like, oh, because I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to do the typical thing because then it just sounds like wasted dialogue. Yeah. So it's just try to come up with something that's a little bit off. So people go, what did you just say? (laughs) That's awesome that even with the hard place, you were throwing in that weird stuff like that. I love it. Um, okay. What was, uh. Okay, so the other thing that I thought might have been an Easter egg, and I had wanted to look this up, but I didn't get a chance to start going through all my comics before we recorded. But at the end of The Hard Place, they're drinking Southern Bastard beer. Yeah. <laughs> now, is that the same beer that we see Edwin pulling out of a a cooler in the first issue of Plastic, or is that a different beer? That's a different beer. Okay. Ah, yeah. Nick, Nick was uh, Nick was pretty adamant about he wanted the beer to be Southern Bastard. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> is that like a is that like a nod to to that image comic? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. That's one of Nick's that's one of Nick's favorite books. Oh. So you know we didn't want to use anything that was you know obviously if you use Budweiser or something like that I mean not only has it been used a billion times before. But um, then you start getting into like people, you know, wanting to sue you over licensing nonsense. You know, yeah. so it's like you know, let's just make up stuff. You know, it's it's more fun anyway. Yeah, and, and at that point too, it's like, hey, you're getting free advertising, Budweiser. Come on. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, he's got to be pretty excited this week. Then I think Southern Bastards twenty just came out. If I'm remembering the number correctly. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been reading that one? Oh yeah. Yeah, anything, dude. I love Jason Aaron. Like, he's an he's one of those writers that I mean, over year after year after year, still puts together good books. You know, yeah. I mean, we could talk about how great Donnie is, and Donnie is great. But I think Jason's been doing the same level of of quality books. But he's been doing it for what you know, like fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's really stood the test of time with it. Um, oh yeah. I I've been working slowly, working my way through. I kind of consider his Thor arc so far to have been like three kind of main books, you know, with Thor, God of Thunder, Goddess of Thunder, and then the Mighty Thor. And so I've been independently working my way through all three. (laughs) Because I actually started with the Mighty Thor, and then someone was like, oh, you got to go back and and start on, you know, God of Thunder. And then other people tell me, oh, you got to start, you know, where Jane Foster takes over and, and start reading, you know, Goddess of Thunder. And so, yeah, I've been working my way through all of them. And, yeah. and not getting through any of them as fast as I would like, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I, I love I love that stuff, and and that's really almost all the Thor stuff I've I've read is all Jason Aaron. Yeah, well, I mean, dude, when he got a hold of that book and what he's done over the past several years to keep the the level of of story that he's done is you just don't see it very often anymore. It's great. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So glad he's back on it. Sorry, I had to step away for a minute. So, oh, that's all good, man. It's so great that he's uh, not back on it, but I mean, uh, keep he, he's doing the reboot too. Yeah, if you want to call it a reboot? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's still doing it. 
I want to. I want to read. I picked up his first Avengers book, and I want to read that one, but I haven't had a chance to pick it up. Get to it this week. Yeah, I uh, I read it yesterday. Uh, there's a lot of setup, and it actually kind of like picks up off. Of, I don't. Did you read Marvel Legacy? Yes. It it picks up off of the stuff we saw a million years ago. Hmm. Yeah. So it's real. It's weird that they finally decided to address that now, like months later, after I've totally forgotten what really went down in that book. Right. <laughs> yeah, I but picked up Legacy, but I, I picked up Legacy and I haven't read it yet. I, I think I read the first couple pages and then got distracted by something with the kids, and then it just keeps going back in my unread pile. Mm. But I, I did read Avengers. Uh, I do, I do another comic book podcast called number one comic books and yeah. that was the number one that i covered last week or we recorded on monday so it just came out this week was um was that avengers book and oh, nice. it yeah in in i enjoyed it i'm looking forward to reading number two um w- one of the things we've kind of noticed with with some of these you know especially with the big two when it comes to their number ones if it's picking up on something else they have to walk a fine line to introduce readers to these characters and have it actually feel like a number one. Whereas right. a lot of these number ones have really it, sure it has a one on the cover, but it hasn't really felt like it. Yeah. And that's what Marvel famously does that nonstop is like, I swear to God, you'll get like a, like, like for instance, a Spider-Man number one, like four times a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is they they're always change, uh, changing it up and rebooting it. I just wish, like the legacy numbering. Now, uh, did you see on that uh, Avengers one? It says number one, and then it says like legacy number six something. Yeah. So they've yeah, even sort of that. abandoned that now. Still got it going, I guess, but I, yeah. I don't know. I just think they're doing too much. Yeah, I think the number one thing is is starting to get old from from both companies. I think. Yeah. And I mean, I understand it from a business standpoint because retailers tend to order more copies of number one, but I think fans are kind of starting to get burned out on them. Yeah, and don't number ones usually, like in a lot of cases, are like the the most successful issue? Oh, yeah. Just because it's number one? Yeah. You know, you got speculators trying to pick up on things they think might be worth something someday. Right. Like I said, I understand it from a business standpoint, but two, I think they're like, they're kind of watering down what a number one is. Yeah, they're almost hurting themselves by releasing too many of them. Yeah. It's like, you know, it it used to be like if if a new book came out and there was a new number one, like there was a lot of buzz around it. But now it's, you know, even in in the comic book news, they're like, yeah, there's some more number ones coming out again this month. (laughs) You know, you're like, yeah. That happened last month too, right? <laughs> you know, and I just think I think fans and even like the the news sites are kind of getting like, "Hey guys, like you've gone too far with this." Yeah, and, and do you think it is something where it's pandering to the you know the people that are kind of prospecting, hoping that it's going to be something good, versus the people who are just curious and thinking, "Okay, it's a number one. This will be a good jumping on point for me." Like, I, I wonder what the split is between those crowds 
yeah, I would love to know those stats. Like, and, and I'd even like to be in the meetings when they're discussing why they're going to do a new number one. Yeah, yeah, that's the side that I'm interested in because those yeah. are the big wheels right there that are making the whole thing work, or at least putting it out there for everyone to read. Yeah, because is it really just about numbers, or is it? Because like, I always think it should be a story reason. Like, is there a solid reason why there's a new number one? Especially if you're going to do like legacy numbering on it as well. I'm like, well, then is there really a reason to do a number one? <laughs> yeah. <Money. laughs> yeah. And I, I hope it's not just money. Because like, I mean, Jason Aaron taking over the Avengers, I don't think you have to start at number one. You just push Jason Aaron. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. It's, you know, but. Hey, what do I know? I'm not running either company, so. Well, I don't know. You got a good point there with just saying that it's Jason Aaron on it, because when I picked that book as the book that I was going to do that week for number one comics, I wouldn't have picked that Avengers one if it didn't have J. If it would have had like a, a, a writer on it that I'd never heard of, and it was just number one Avengers, I was like, okay, number one, this isn't number one Avengers. <laughs> but Right. That Jason Aaron name on it, I was like, I'm betting that this is going to be really good because I like everything else of his that I've read so far. Right. And it is kind of interesting that they still have the legacy numbering on it because that right there was was like, well, it's it says number one on it, but it also says number 900 and whatever. Right. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I would be interested in knowing what all goes into that decision. Yeah, because it almost feels like summer events used to be, right? Like, we all got burnt out on the events because it used to be just like every now and then. Then it was every summer, and then it was every, you know, quarter. There was some kind of new event. Yeah. And, you know, they've kind of backed off of those now, but now it's just all number ones. Yeah. Marvel has like three events going at once. And the thing I was just going to say is there's a huge difference in the way that Marvel handles events and DC handles events. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and recently with the Dark Knight's Metal event that, that DC did, uh-huh. the tie-in books with that, it did not really take away from the individual books that had tie-ins on it. And I don't know, DC just did such a better job handling that than Marvel did. Because like with Secret Empire, it's like you'd be chugging along. On what was it like X Men Blue? I think was the one where I noticed like a huge jump in the story. Where I was like, "What? What is going on here?" And then it's just totally derailed for a handful of issues in a row. You know, whereas yeah. with Dark Knight's Metal, it was just it was one issue that was a little bit off, but it was so good in tying in with Metal that it didn't really matter. And then you were back to your regular, you know, continuity, and they were just like, "Hey, remember that weird stuff that happened in Gotham with the mountain? Yeah, okay, I'm on back to fighting whomever we're fighting." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was almost like it, with those two events specifically. Like Marvel was, if you don't read all of them, we're going to make you pay for it. And DC was like, you don't have to read anything you don't want to. Thank you, DC. Yeah, it's <laughs> like if you just want to keep reading whatever book you're reading, and you don't want to pick up any of the metal stuff, it's okay. We don't want to take away from your experience. Well, and those tie-ins added to the story, too, but at the same time, if you didn't read them, you weren't like, what's going on? 
Right. And they did a great job of that, of balancing that. Yeah. Marvel, I mean, they Marvel literally, I, I think during Secret Empire, I think they tied in every single one of their issues with Secret Empire. And uh, more than half of it was, in my opinion, just to have the name Secret Empire on the comic. And none of it made any sense at all. And it just, it, it was, it was so, it was dumb. It was just dumb. It, it just wasn't good. It's Secret Empire was great. The, yeah. The main story. I loved it. I love what Nick Spencer did there. I, and I, oh, I went off on people on one of those comic cast episodes. <laughs> yeah, the, the people, people who were bo- boycotting because yes, they, well, how they dare you make threats. Cap evil? Yeah. Yeah, they were That's right. They sent him death threats on Twitter. And it's like, dude, like, I get it, man. I love Captain America, but this dude is a fictional character. Okay, this is nothing to threaten to kill someone over, you pieces of shit. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but... My God. I, I wore... I have a, a Hydra Cap t-shirt, and I wore it to the Infinity War opening. Yeah. And I had two people. Two people. One person came up to me and said... <laughs> he said, you are the enemy. And then just walked away. And then the <laughs> second guy came up to me, and this is when we were standing in line, and this was also the night of the NFL draft, so I'm standing there in line watching the draft, and he comes up to me and he goes, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you're everything that's wrong with comics. <laughs> and then just walked away, and I was like, wait, what? Wow. So he apologized, and then he insulted. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, Well, and a couple of people uh, applauded me for uh, commenting on it, you know, uh, said nice things to me, but yeah, I was like, I'm everything that's wrong with comics because I'm wearing a shirt that is supporting a comic. Hmm. Yeah. What's wrong with this picture? I thought what he did with Captain America, I mean, it, it, it is so like Captain America, Superman, not Batman, because so, you can always make Batman interesting. Yeah. But Superman, Captain America, guys like that, I feel like it's it's rare to get a really good run on those guys because those those characters are being written to death nonstop 24-7. And so there's no story that really hasn't been told almost. And so like when you get something refreshing and something that just changes the status quo like that, I love it. And hands down, I appreciate him for doing that. And because, I mean, he put up with a lot to, to do that and make Cap evil. Yeah, that's, I mean, it not only was it bold, but I mean, the people that like take off and like want to hurt somebody over Captain America storyline, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, they they have to have something else going on with them. I mean, I don't know. I can't comprehend it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the most ironic thing is that if you're a huge Captain America fan and you love Captain America, why not try and emulate him a little bit? Because I don't think yeah. Cap would walk right. up and harass strangers in public, or or give death threats over Twitter. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just strange. <laughs> that that's actually comical to me. Now I want to see Captain America send a tweet and like threaten somebody. Wouldn't that be uh, great? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I don't know why that reminds you, but like Doug, are you a Karate Kid fan? Oh yeah. Have you watched Cobra Kai? I have not watched the new one. No. Oh oh my dude, you you have to. Oh yeah. It is so good. I mean, it is phenomenal. And the way that they tie in and show flashbacks to the Karate Kid is just amazing. 
but I love there's there's so many lines and, and and they go against the status quo nowadays like like he's up there telling them like you know everything nowadays is uh, a guy one of our other podcasts call it everything's PC you can't say anything mean anymore and you know bullying takes place through text messages now and stuff and <laughs> there's this one scene where he's got one of these you know like nerd kids in his in his dojo and they get a text and they look all upset and he's like what's wrong he's like oh they're bullying me you know through texting and he's sitting there and he goes what pussies he's like back in the day when we made fun of people we did it to your face there was a respect to it there was an honor about it (laughs) i just love his character yeah. There was that one kid that said, uh, what's wrong with you? Oh, my doctor tells I'm on the spectrum. Well, get off it, quick. <laughs> <laughs> it is just so good. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the trailers for it and wanted to see it. I just hadn't made my way around to it yet. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's fantastic, man. It's everything you'd want. And more. <laughs> it's YouTube Red, right? Yeah. Yeah, which I think may hurt them a little bit because YouTube Red really doesn't have much good original content. But I mean, you can get a, a free trial. I mean, that's what I did. Yeah, because so, it's it's all out right now, right? Like, yeah, they, they they dropped it kind of like like Netflix does. Yeah, yeah, and it's not that long either because it's ten episodes, but they're only like twenty five minutes each. Really? Yep, and it works perfectly. Huh? Because I'd guess hands down like i'd have bet money that it was an hour show yeah i thought it was going to be too but no they're yeah they're little 30 minute episodes and they're just they're done masterfully it's and ralph macchiato what if i'm saying his last name right i never get these names right the joke can attest to that um <laughs> i think it's macchio what whatever uh i think macchiato is a is a coffee beverage <laughs> I almost said macchiato, but yeah, it is a com- it is a, com- <laughs> a coffee beverage. George, George is making up shit. Like I don't know who's name is. Yeah, uh, but he was a, he. You know, he's one of the executive producers on it, and I watched some behind the scenes of it. And he, you know, he had a lot to do with that show, and so you could tell he really cared about it and put a lot of heart into it. And that was that was nice to see. The hell? Sorry, my dog's freaking out next to me. <laughs> He's eating his own foot oh, and geez. whining. <laughs> Why doesn't this taste better? It's like, well, you walk around on it all day, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, do you uh, what? Like, do you have any favorite TV shows? Do you watch a lot of TV? I don't watch a lot of TV shows. I'm, I'm I've gotten to the point now to where I'm doing a lot of the. You know what everybody else is doing. Where I'll watch a lot of Stranger Things for a week, or right. that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think like what I've watched recently. I watch a lot more movies than I actually do TV. Now that means I watch a lot of really bad movies. But <laughs> you know, I, I, I run into gyms every now and then too. So that's I'm always looking for for really good stories. Um, I'm trying to think like. What I've seen lately that blew me away, nothing recently. Like, I loved the first season of True Detective and the first season of Strange Things. Mm -hmm. Both of those were so good. I have, like, I've been disappointed by everything else I've seen since. So, I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, those, both those shows to me were just so well executed. 
Um, I enjoyed the second season of Stranger Things. It just wasn't as good as the first season. No, uh, I'm I'm with you. Yeah. And then, uh, and then movie wise, like I bumped into Logan Lucky, and I absolutely love that movie. So what is it really good? I've been tempting to watch, but tempted to watch it. Yeah, I think you'll you know having the whole like your your accent is stupid. Um, it's set <laughs> it's set in West Virginia, and the whole like it's directed by the guys by the guy that did the Ocean's movies, and it's kind of like a redneck Ocean's Eleven. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. and it's it's funny. Um, Adam Driver is absolutely amazing in it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, like, really complicated writing, but it's done with these characters that you think sound and look stupid. So it's just this really well-done movie. And then Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, I love that one, too. I've been wanting to watch that for so long now, and I just haven't got around to it. You've got, you're going to have to be in the right mood for that one, because it's, it's definitely a dark movie. I and, love dark movies. Yeah, I do, too. And, but... It's 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 this really weird combination of like the theme of it is about love and hope in the worst possible shitty place you can be. And so like the way they pull that off, you have to really be paying attention because like they're telling you a positive message with all these horrible people. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was brilliant. And she won. Uh, she won best actress for that, didn't she? I think she did. Yeah. Gave that crazy speech. Yeah. Well, Woody Harrelson's in it, and I I feel like Woody Harrelson can do no wrong now. It seems like everything he does is brilliant. I know. That oh, guy's no amazing. Kidding. Oh, especially yeah. that first season of True Detective. That blew my mind. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The second season of True Detective was such a disappointment, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. They just, you can, I mean, they, now they did have a whole new team on it, you know, as far as like right. stuff. But you can tell they did not understand why the first one was so good. Yeah, I'm kind of worried about the third season that's coming out here soon. Yeah. But we'll see. But hey, we got the first season. So, I'm ha- I mean, that was just that's the first time I'd ever seen a TV show of like, you know, 10 to 12 episodes or whatever it was, and I was like there wasn't a wasted moment in any single episode of this show. Like these were all brilliant. I need to go back and watch that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that and with the time jumps in it to it, seeing what Matthew McConaughey's character looked like in present day and then seeing what he looked like when they were on the case, it was like, yeah. what happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, wow. It was, and then just with the the nature of those murders they were investigating, I mean, yeah, it was so creepy. It was so cool. Yeah. He was well, like a suspect. Oh, yeah. Maybe he did him, and, oh, yeah, it was so good. His relationship with Woody Harrelson's character was great, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I always loved it when he went over to his house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He just couldn't help but piss off Woody Harrelson every time. (laughs) (laughs) Woody Harrelson was great in that uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, too. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I just I just feel like if Woody Harrelson's in it, you need to watch it, even if you're just watching the Woody Harrelson scenes, because he seems to be unable to do bad anymore. I know. And yeah. what was that one movie he was in um, where he played the guy that owned Hustler? 
That was the People versus Larry Flint. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the first time I ever saw him. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta remember. You're the millennial guy. I was gonna say I remember yeah. when he was in Cheers. <laughs> yeah. no. Joe, I was thinking the same thing, but I was I was too ashamed to say it. I have I have zero shame. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I remember him in White Men Can't Jump. Like <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god. Okay, but really I I White Men Can't Jump is one of those movies that when I was a kid and I was done watching I was at the end of the movie and I was like, Why didn't I like this? It's like it's, yeah. it's my heroes, it's Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson, but maybe I was just too young to 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 get some of the nuance in it because I've never gone back and watched it with adult eyes. So Yeah. I remember I didn't like it either, so I think we're in the same boat. I've, <laughs> I've gone back and watched it. You know, I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, I, I had a a student I teach part time at a university, um, just two nights a week kind of thing. And I had a student come up and he goes, Hey Doug, I've got a millennial question for you. And I was like, Okay. What you got? He's like, how do you ship a letter? What? what? That's what he said to me. And so like, <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. I was like, what do you mean by ship a letter? Like, do you want, like, what are you doing? He's like, I just want to stick it in an envelope and ship it. I was like, okay, <laughs> for my generation, that's called mail a letter. <laughs> and he had never, ever mailed a letter or been to a post office before. Lucky him. Yeah. So, you know, I just sat down and walked him through like, okay, here's how you address an envelope and you're going to have to go buy a stamp and you're going to have to put it on this right hand side. I have had awful experiences with the U.S. with the United States Postal Service. I hate the United States Postal Service with a passion. Jordan gets lots of mangled packages. (laughs) Yep. And at this point, we all question if they've heard his podcasts. Yeah, there's a few death threats out there. Yeah. I'm a hypocrite because I was getting mad at the people sending death threats to Nick Spencer, but I'm sending death threats to the mail office. So. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Look, if it's about Cap, you're an asshole. If it's about a dented box, I'm on your side. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, how hard can it be to move a package from point A to point B without messing it up completely? <laughs> well, if you didn't send them death threats, it'd be really easy for them to do it. <laughs> Say in the age of Amazon, too, where everybody's shipping everything. Oh, yeah. Dude, Amazon's I mean, going to rule the world here in like 10, 10 years. Uh, do you think we will see in our lifetimes uh, private fleets of drones that fly packages to people? And then drop yes. them off. It's happening Man. now. Man, that'll be weird. Don't they have drones that deliver packages right now? <laughs> Fuck, not in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, not in Kansas either, but I've never seen something about that. that I don't know if it's a me. thing, though. I think it's scary, too. That's it like, is scary. It's like that many drones flying around with packages. I mean, how hard would it be to switch that package out? Oh, um, right? Or take control of all of them and just start diving them down into people. Yeah. Or maybe the NSA is like in, in cahoots with Amazon. They're like they're using them to spy on everybody. Yeah. They're already doing that, though. Oh, well, hey, kind of on that vein and then on the TV thing that we are talking about, my wife is slowly 
been working me into watching Black Mirror. Oh yeah, and we oh. watched the episode of uh, Metalhead with the those robot dog things in the yeah. future. Okay, so first off, one thing I've noticed with Black Mirror, not very many happy endings. No. <laughs> like, you finish an episode of Black Mirror and you almost want to, like, sit in the bathtub and, like, hug yourself. Yes. I don't think <laughs> like, there is a happy ending in Black Mirror. No, there there are some. Because the first episode I watched was San Junipero, and that has a ha- that was a good oh, ending. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. Have you seen Crocodile? <laughs> No, no, that it, but my wife filled me all in on that one. And I was like, what the fuck? I found that that is what I say more than anything when Lindsay's telling me about the Black Mirror episode. <laughs> White Christmas. <laughs> White Christmas with John Hamm is it's my favorite one. Okay. Uh, it's awesome. It, Doug, you've watched a lot of it. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Do you have a favorite episode? No, they all scare me. Yeah. They're all pretty scary. <laughs> oh, they're all so messed up. Yeah. I'll watch them all and go, maybe I shouldn't use any technology. <laughs> That's the scary thing about them is it's like, this could really happen. Oh, yeah. This does happen. Yeah. Like the one where the girl's like trying to keep her rating up. Oh, God. That is totally us. Yeah. I'm like, that's not that's not far out of feasibility, right? Like that could happen in the next month or so. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. That's a great episode. But it's you know. scary because it's like you look at it and you're like everything's based off of ratings. If you have a low rating, like people won't even serve you and stuff. And it's like, man, we are headed right that way. Yeah. I mean, we're already kind of in that boat, like with stuff like Yelp and like Uber. Like, you know, I mean, if you got a three star rating on Uber, nobody's going to either pick you up or or let you drive them somewhere. No. No. Well, and all the you know all the likes you try it, it I, I'm uh, you know you can I I'm an offender of it too. Everyone's trying to get likes on Facebook, you know. Oh yeah. It's like that's where it's going there too. It's terrifying. Guys, now is not the time to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I just Speaking thought you were hungry. <laughs> yeah, is that your stomach? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of Uber, the I just rode in one of those for the first time when I was at C two E two, and I've yet to go in and see if any of the drivers gave me a rating. I I know I talked every single one of their ears off. So can the, this guy <laughs> talks and he doesn't shut up. <laughs> Wait, so the drivers can rate you? Yeah, they yeah. can rate the passenger too. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, that's you're weird. Screwed. <laughs> you, Jordan. <laughs> wow, that's crazy! I didn't know that. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, you call for an Uber and they they show up. Oh, you're Jordan. Um, yeah, you got a little rating, man. You're gonna have to call a cab. <laughs> like shit. Well, and they'll know it before. See, and the thing about Uber is that they just see your request. And then they'd be like, oh, this guy? Fuck that. We're not picking him up. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if I'm a no block away. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The guy who picked me up from, from the venue on Saturday, that guy was a trooper for putting up with that. That was a zoo. And oh, I was yeah. like, you know what? I paid $20 for this Uber ride, but I would have paid 40 to not be the one driving in this shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
Is it true that they raise their rates like if they're at like a big event or something where oh, without they're a doubt. in high demand? Yeah, yeah and on, on weekends too because uh, the drivers I talked to, one of them was telling me that he only drives on the weekends because the weekday rate is so much lower that he's like, I'm not going to waste my time with that. And he goes, but I drive every single weekend. Like, that it is sucks. really cool. No, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good business model. Sucks I mean, for us. It's good it's for them, good. I yeah, guess. Yeah, but it's supply and demand, right? You're going to oh, yeah, have a lot more yeah. demand for, for someone to, to drive your ass to the bar and back on the weekend than you are on a random Tuesday, you know, unless you like to party. Unless you like to party. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're at the bar? Yeah, it's Tuesday, bro. Like exactly, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Guys. It's like, hey, when you don't have a job, the weekend doesn't mean anything. Exactly. <laughs> or when you have a job and you work weekends, weekends don't mean anything. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> oh, speaking of drinking, something interesting... My wife told me earlier is that I've uh, strictly lived my life by the beer then liquor never sicker. Yeah. And she's like she's like, "Oh, I just read somewhere that that was a myth." And I was like, "Really?" It's like I've lived by that for years and years. Oh, has anybody what? else heard anything about that? Wait, what was the saying? Beer then liquor never sicker, meaning that if you like say you're drinking beers, and like in my case, I'd be drinking like a 5%. And then if I were to jump up to say like my strawberries or something like that, which is an 8%, I would have a greater chance of getting sick because I went from a lower alcohol content to a higher alcohol content while you were already intoxicated. So therefore, it's going to get you drunker faster when you're already drunk. And so then you're going to be praying to the porcelain God before you know it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That was a very pregnant pause for, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink. I don't really drink. Yeah, I think I think the key there is, like, maybe you shouldn't drink as much. Yeah, that's probably what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. I think, they, I think they came up with those sayings, like, going, hey, if you're going to be so intoxicated you black out, this is the order you should do things in. And my thing is, I shouldn't drink as much to where I black out. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I know that's not as much fun, Joe, but... I was, I was just going to say, I'm 37 years old, and I've never been blackout drunk. I've never <laughs> been that drunk, and I'm I'm actually kind of proud of that. But mostly it's just because I have a real aversion to throwing up. And yeah. so it's I've always been very good at being like, no, this is where I stop. Because otherwise I'm going to go down that road where I'm going to be puking later, or I'm going to be laying in bed with everything spinning, knowing that I'd feel better if I went and throw, threw up, but I'm not going to, so it's just a night of misery and spinning. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been blackout drunk. My ex-girlfriend told me I was once, but I still don't believe her. You don't remember? <laughs> <laughs> I still don't believe her. I mean, she said we did some crazy shit, and like, I don't, I don't remember any of it. And like I just I've never been blackout drunk before. Well, isn't that the definition of blackout drunk? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, that's the problem. <laughs> you never remember being blackout drunk. I think that's how it works. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> 
I think I've thrown up from drinking. I think I probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've actually gotten so drunk that I threw up. And almost every time it happens, then I just shy away from that beverage forever and ever afterwards. <laughs> that only works for so long, though. Oh, I don't know, dude. Uh, let's see. Lindsay and I were out at a Mexican restaurant a while back, and I ordered a, mar- a blended margarita because I'm cool like that. And it showed up at the table, and I took one sip out of it, and I could taste the tequila, and I just pushed it across the table. And I was like, enjoy. After you finish your real margarita that's on the rocks, you can have this little kid one with alcohol in it that I ordered. <laughs> yeah, the, the first time I ever got drunk, my mom did it to me. I was 15, <laughs> and she gave me everything. And I puked oh, for three days. Oh, wow. Mm. And I Did it work? I haven't puked since. Hmm. Almost like nice. an immunity. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I love immunity. It's the fear of puking for three days. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. She taught you a lesson. Yeah. It's like I'm building up your tolerance and doing this for your own good. Yeah. I just, after that, being that sick for that many days, I was like, I will never, ever be that drunk again. And so, yeah. just, like you were saying, Joe, like, like now I know, like, when that I'm hitting that point, I'm like, okay, I need to stop. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. This, this way lies misery. <laughs> if yeah. I keep going down this path. Um, that, that's kind of like that old school method if, if your parents would catch you smoking cigarettes and they'd make you sit down and smoke the whole pack. Yeah. It's like I I never that never happened to me, but that happened to friends of mine growing up, and I remember them telling me the stories of Oh my god, I was so sick. And it's like I bet he probably had the most intense nicotine buzz ever. <laughs> See, parents... that wouldn't have worked with me. Oh yeah, no, because I liked smoking cigarettes when I was in high school. So <laughs> my parents did that to me when I was about six. Holy cow! Yeah. Now, the thing was, is I'd try a puff of one and cough and then go, this one's bad. So I went through the whole pack with only taking one breath from each one. <laughs> and then at that point, I was like, yeah, cigarettes, I don't like any of them. They all suck. There you go. Yeah, yeah no kidding. And both of my parents were lifelong, you know, like smoked in the house constantly, chain smokers. And it just, yeah, I, I never got that bug. I wish I didn't. I've struggled with quitting. Yeah. Anytime you get something like that, you get addicted to, man. It's like giving up sodas was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, yeah, I bet. See, I never, to this day, still never really got into soda. Like, like, And for me, it's pop. And we've had this debate before. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's not soda. It's pop. But anyways, <laughs> I, uh, I never, never liked pop, man. Or not, I like pop. Don't get me wrong, but I never loved it. Like, I'll maybe drink a pop like once a month, maybe. Yeah. But I drink water nonstop all day. Yeah, I think I, it's just different. You know, we're all unique, and it's like where you had the problem with cigarettes, I had the problem with soda or pop. Right. <laughs> so you know, I think it's just you know whatever whatever genetic thing happens there like my thing was pop pop yeah pop, yeah i 
you know, for me, and I, I grew up in the Midwest. I've lived here my whole life, and everybody around me calls it pop. But I started calling it soda just purely for an auditory thing. I didn't like the sound of pop. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know. That's that's weird, but that that's my... That's my origin into calling it soda because I've actually had people say, "Oh, where are you from, Iowa? Really? Why do you why do you call it soda? I thought you were from like the West Coast or something." It's like, really? There's, do I look cool? I'm like, like, no, you just say soda. <laughs> it's like Rebecca. Where she? Where was she? Where she was talking about everything? Every every single soda is Coke. Oh yeah, that's like, a sap. Yeah, yeah, we got, we got was, Sprite Coke. We got. <laughs> We got that was Brooke Darty talking about that. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> she's from Kentucky. <laughs> she's like, we got Sprat Coke. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> we got Orange yeah. Coke. We got Dr Pepper Coke. <laughs> and I used to, I used to be that guy. Like that's, I grew up in the South, so that's it, everything was a Coke. And then, I, you know, when I started going to other places, I realized when I said Coke, and people gave me Coke. That, <laughs> <laughs> that I needed to change that. So now I say soda. Pop. I, I love the word pop. I don't know. Just It's just like that. Well, that pop at the end of when you say pop. It just pops. Yeah, but you don't like it. So it doesn't really work. It doesn't count. Nah, that's true. I like it. I just don't love it. Yeah. If you had to pick a soda that was your favorite, what was your favorite, Jordan? Root beer. Root beer. What was yours, Doug? Dr. Pepper. Oh, Dr. Pepper. See, Dr. Pepper's a sneaky one, too, because it's actually, is it a combination of, I think, 36 different fruit juices? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's actually still good when it's flat. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Dr. Thunder. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, all the different spinoffs of Dr. Pepper crack me up. Like, I would love to see a list of all of them. But the Dr. Thunder one's hilarious. Oh, I used to hate it. Like, you go somewhere to eat. Hey, do you have Dr. Pepper? No, but we have we have uh, Mr. Pibb. That's not Dr. Pepper. Is that yeah. okay? Is he a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could, I, I could drink Mr. Pibb, but yeah, it's it's not Dr. Pepper. No. <laughs> or what is it? I think it's called Pib Extra now or something. That's even stupider. It is. <laughs> it is, because when it was Mr. Pib, it was at least close to being doctor. Right. Pib Extra <laughs> doesn't mean anything. He's just got to go through seven years of soda school. Yeah. <laughs> he can be Dr. Pib. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doug, we need a comic about Dr. Pepper now. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a Dr. Pepper mini series. Yep. I'd have to start drinking again. You know, it makes me wonder can you, like, when you're writing a book for Image or something, like, can you put, like, a can of Dr. Pepper in there? I mean, you can. I don't know if they would, if they'd bring it up. I mean, a lot of that stuff is protected, so you, you wouldn't get in big trouble for it. Um, my rule of thumb is, is always, if you're going to use a product like that, it should be a story reason. Right. So like, we're going to talk about like, you know, Hey, Dr. Pepper and Mr. Pib are not the same. And that's something your character gets obsessed about. Then yes. Otherwise use something else. Otherwise it could just be a 
can't have any anything, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I always wondered that. Uh, speaking of character obsessions, let me just jump back to the hard place real quick. Those brothers that get tasked with going after uh, AJ and Alex. Yeah. What, is one of them obsessed with cat videos? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I think it's only mentioned twice in the book. I'm like, this is a really quirky, cool character thing for these guys <laughs> that are hardened killers. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was something Nick and I came up with actually after we finished the book. And I was going through the dialogue, and I was like, yeah, this does, just this isn't get doing it for me. And we just kind of came up with this, like, hey, let's do a, you know, let's make him kind of a little bit more new age, you know, digital age kind of guy. And he's obsessed with cat videos, even though he's, a ser- <laughs> you know, basically a killer. Yeah. <laughs> and his other brother was like, I don't care. You know, it's like, <laughs> you keep trying to show me cat videos, and I don't care about those. Yeah, just trying to make him a little quirky. <laughs> yeah. No, those little things like that books are great. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's interesting. It it's so cool and interesting to hear about how some of this stuff came to be. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing is, until it's in print, it's always a work in progress. So, is there anything that you're working on coming out soon that you can talk about at all? No, unfortunately not. It's uh, I was supposed to have two books out this season or this year, but um, they're moving a little slower than we had planned. So, you know, Eric doesn't like when I steal the thunder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's totally understandable. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's not. I want to hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) See, when, when, when the hard place came out, I initially thought it was ongoing. Yeah, the first uh, first couple issues, and I was upset to find out it was a miniseries. I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> it's that that's a tough game to play." Like, because a lot you know, with the the trade business growing the way it has, um, Image kind of shies away from telling you up front if on, on certain occasions if something's a, a miniseries or not, because a lot of people the second they see it's a miniseries, they're like, "Oh, I'll just pick up the trade." Right. And uh, I can totally see that. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they don't a lot of people don't see that there's like this. Oh, well, if, you, if you're interested in the book, but you don't buy the, the the floppies, they're not going to print a trade. Yeah. You know, so like those things kind of go hand in hand. Yep. And yeah. It's just it's yeah, it's a weird environment with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think it did. It didn't. The first few issues never ever alluded to being a miniseries did they no or nor was it ever said that that's probably exactly why i thought it was an ongoing series yeah because yeah i didn't ever say like one of five it just said right. here's one here's number two that's smart to do though i guess when you think about that yeah for sure Tra- yeah trades i mean there it's just it's like i know I probably know more people that read comics by paper by trade paperbacks than single issues every month. Yeah, I mean it's easy, you know especially if you're talking miniseries. I mean it's just easier to sit down and read the whole story. Right. Oh yeah, yeah I but, mean especially if there's a big development like like 
don't know. We've, we've kind of been spoiling some stuff with the hard place, but like this one, I don't want to spoil. So I kind of dance around it, but the way issue three ended, that was yeah. a long wait for that <laughs> month. <laughs> like, I had some anxiety at the end of that one. You know, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> It's like, how, 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 how's this going to happen? And then, like, within the first, like, I think maybe even on the first page of issue four, it was like, oh, it's this and this. I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, boy, he was in a hard place before. Holy shit, right now is really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. Like, I think it's something only comics can deliver experience-wise is that monthly wait yeah, yeah. You know, because, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say when when I went through and reread it again uh, uh, earlier today, I had had that thought of I'm so glad that I read this when it was coming out month to month because if I was just reading this in trade, I'd finish chapter three and just flip right to chapter four. Right. They, they, I would have had two seconds of what's going to happen next in, instead of thirty days of what's going to happen next. You know. Yeah, you don't have that buildup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see. I mean, especially since we're becoming more of a binge culture. You know, yeah. we can we watch entire TV show, you know, an entire season of a TV show in one day. But comics still is like, I mean, I've seen you know like DC and some other you know Marvel's experimented with like trying to putting out more often. Um, but I just I I still love the hey I have to wait thirty days. Oh, I do not believe in the uh, by. What is it? What do you call it? Biweekly, biweekly yeah. books every two weeks. I just I don't feel like the the quality of the story. Like they always start out okay, but then it gets to a point to like you can tell where I think a little bit too much is being asked of the creative team for them to put out this stuff nonstop, and then you start to get these stories that aren't so great. And yeah, you know, it's like because they just don't have the time. They don't have enough time between them. Yeah. yeah, and then they're switching up artists all the time, so the book constantly has a different yeah. feel to it. Yep. Yeah, that's I did. Funny. I hated that. Yeah, that's the biggest. I I hated the different artists every two weeks. I just I feel like it ruins the whole tone of the book. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Totally does. And DC's getting away from that. Uh, yeah. They're not doing any more biweeklies anymore, which makes me very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Me yeah maybe I'll finally catch up to Flash. <laughs> that's a funny, I mean, that's a funny that's sentence a, in itself <laughs> yeah no kidding right <laughs> it's like you don't got a chance porky <laughs> but that, that's of all the ones on my pull list that's the one i'm furthest behind on but like i love joshua i love joshua love Williamson Williamson. books. Yeah. i know but hey, i'm 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 probably six issues behind i'm over a trade behind on the flash wow. right now well, you better catch up because Flash Wars is beginning. It, it oh, looks like it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> Who am I yeah. kidding? Joshua Williamson always does good. So he, yeah. He's been doing a lot of good things for a while now. He has. And then uh, Justin Jordan, man. He, I think uh, – I believe he's on Curse of the Brimstone for DC. I could be wrong. Those books are all new. I'm still trying to get used to them, but I need I need to go back and check if he is. No, I, Justin Jordan did that one. He is doing okay. <laughs> I I really like that one. That Curse of the Bird. I like all the new age here of heroes books, but 
you know, and, and that's something that they're trying something new. Well, it's not trying something new, actually. It's actually going back to something that used to be done where they're doing more artist focused books. Like they are, they are now the artist gets headlined on the book. Like he's first and yeah. then the writer. And that's so awesome. I, and I read about how they changed their creative process to where it used to be the writer would write out the script, you know, hand it to the artist, you know, then they work on the art from there. But I, I think now with the new age of hero books, anyways, it looks like they're doing the artist is actually the one that, that lays the, the foundation. And then the writer goes in and then writes. And so I, I really want to know more about how that process works. Yeah, that's interesting. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of think like the writer is the one that comes up with the story. Wouldn't he be the one that's laying the foundation, not the artist? So it's really interesting to see how they're doing it differently. But hey, it's working, man, because all of those books are great so far. Really good. Yeah. From what I understand, they're going. They're, the DC's using the Marvel method on those. So, like, they write a the writer's doing a plot, handing that off to the artist, and the artist kind of like has to break down every page. Like, so you know, you're you're just getting kind of like a, hey, here's what happens from pages one through four, and you get a paragraph or two. Okay. And the artist goes in and, and like draw. You know, he kind of makes it up panel by panel. And that's what they consider the Marvel method. Yeah. Is and Marvel still doing it that way? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think Marvel's done that for a long time. So But that's what it's always been referred to. I think, you know, like Stan Lee and Kirby and those guys worked that way in the day. And so that's why they still call it the Marvel method. You know, that Stan Lee, that I got. I, want, I need to know your opinion on something. If you don't want to give your opinion, that's fine. But it, like, okay, so a while back on the Supercast, we had Athena Finger on there, the granddaughter of Bill Finger, true creator of Batman, and we talked to her a lot about how, obviously, about how a lot of you know she how she feels and a lot of the evidence that's been put out there that Bob Kane basically stole everything from Bill Finger. So then you go and look back, and you know, I wasn't there. I don't know if that stuff's true or not. The evidence is pretty compelling. But you go back and look, and a lot of people are now starting to point out that maybe Stan Lee did a lot of the same things, where he stole a lot from Ghost Riders, probably. I, I, like, Joe, Joe, have you heard, like, heard about that at all? Or it's seen, I heard some people talking about it a while back. No, I, I'd heard that there was some controversy that maybe Stan Lee didn't give Jack Kirby enough of his due. But I, I hadn't too. heard anything about him like stealing from ghostwriters or anything like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what's true or not, obviously. I mean, you can't believe everything. But... <laughs> yeah, the internet, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I've seen yeah. a lot of people out there have been turning against Stan Lee lately. Well, not recently with what's going on with him now, but, you know, before then. Yeah, I was like, if at this point in his life you're turning against Stan Lee, you're the asshole. Yeah, come yeah. On. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think, I mean, I haven't heard the thing about Stanley and the Ghost Rider stuff, but like, definitely, I think he, he probably should have given a lot more credit to his teams. Um, yeah, because I mean, what, for years, even up until recently, we heard, oh, I created the Hulk, I created Spider-Man, I create, you know, all the characters that he was one of the creators of, but wasn't the creator of. Right. Um, 
So, you know, I mean, but, you know, it seems like they're trying to fix some of that now in the Marvel movies where they're giving people a little bit more credit here and there on stuff. Because um, it used to just always be, hey, created by Stan Lee. And you're like, well, Stan Lee didn't draw Spider-Man. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about a cost, you know, an outfit that they've tried to change over time. And the classic is still the best. I love that image documentary that explains how image came to be. Yeah. And how, Oh, that's amazing. Really just Marvel just kind of straight up screwed those guys. I mean, they, I mean, I, I totally understood there. Like we are making you guys so much money and we're getting like a dollar out of your billions. Yeah. So they just, they all band together and decided to go start their own company and look where they're at now. Oh yeah. Killing it now. I mean, they'll probably never. I mean, they'll probably always be the third. I would imagine they'd probably always be the third publisher behind Marvel and DC because it's Marvel and DC. But God, man, they're. I mean, we, we've talked about it to death tonight, but Image is just like me and Joe said it numerous times. Image is showing Marvel and DC how it's done. They're doing incredible books. There's no doubt about that. And just yeah, just to think. I mean, back in the '90s, where you know what was it? X Men? What was it? The one Jim Lee drew wasn't it ten million copies? I don't know. Yeah, and I mean the the numbers that they were throwing out in that documentary were staggering. Yeah. And then you know he goes and you know does Wildcats for himself, sells seven million copies, and he's an instant multimillionaire. Mm. And all of them were. I mean, Dale Keown. I mean, he did Pit number one and then disappeared for a year because he was so rich. You know, like <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, Eric Larson still only does the Savage Dragon, and he's still a millionaire, um, mostly because of the '90s. Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, all those guys are still multimillionaires because of they they broke away and did that. I can't believe McFarlane's still doing Spawn. I mean, he's not always on it, but here recently, but he's still he's still in there. Oh yeah. Savage. a smart guy. I mean, a lot of the business, at least when it comes to the business side of things, he made a lot of really good business decisions. Yep. When, oh, when they yeah. moved away from there. I mean, with, with McFarland toys and everything. And wow. Dude, call back to. Uh, he did. I watch a lot of Todd McFarlane's. He, he does a lot of these like sketches and these like Facebook videos where he has like five, 10 minutes. He just messes around. So he showed us how he, there was one video where he showed us how they did these spaghetti webs for Spider-Man and how, when he did that, a lot of artists started to pick that up after him. And that's, that's how you pretty much see Spider-Man's webs now. But he was talking about how back when he did a, a, a excuse me, amazing Spider-Man 300, where he was going to do the one, you know, the famous cover. It's just regular Spider-Man, and they got another one where it's, you know, uh, symbiote suits. I can't talk right now. Symbiote suit Spidey. And Marvel looked at him. He said, I want to do both of these covers. And he said that Marvel looked at him and said, you're crazy. No one no one is going to pay for two covers to one book. <laughs> yeah, look at him now. They yeah. put out like thirty variants for all their number ones. It's it's they do it. They just go overboard on variants now. I like variants, but not like thirty. Yeah, yeah I heard the new Tony Stark Iron Man has like twenty eight. 
<laughs> oh, it's insane, man. That yeah. is crazy. Like, yeah, from insane. what I understand, it's one for every suit of like different suit of armor he has. Wow, that's, I mean, that's that excessive. Well, cool, but that's that's a yeah, it's excessive, man. Yeah. Then again, I mean, it's not like I have to buy all twenty eight covers, but sometimes I feel that way. Yeah, <laughs> which is a shame. I do think it'll hurt other books. People are going to pick up, you know, ten. Let's just say they pick up ten covers. That means there's nine other books they're not buying. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I never thought of it that way. Damn Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) Do Do you think with, you know, kind of back when all those guys in Image in the 90s made, you know, millions off that, do you think those days are pretty much gone in the comic industry? And was that more just because of speculation where people were buying these number ones hoping that they were going to like make a lot of money off them. Like, was there a bubble that burst with that? Oh yeah, there was definitely a bubble. And I don't, I mean, they, they say that there was speculators and I actually work in comic shops at the time and there were, but there were still a lot more people buying comics. Um, I don't know if we can get back to those numbers. Cause you know, I mean, you guys see the same numbers I do. I mean, we're, you know, if, if you're a over a hundred grand, um, you're in the top five easy. Right. Um, you know, back then we're talking, you know, I, back then if, if a Marvel or DC book sold a hundred thousand copies, they canceled it. So, oh, yeah. You know, just think like, I mean, we'd have to grow our business by at least 10 times. I just don't know. You I know, think I the low number now is like, if your book doesn't go over for Marvel anyways, go over 20,000. I think they cancel it. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's such a difference from what it used to be. Yeah. I mean, you've got some books like Miss Marvel who don't sell that number, but the book is so popular with a, a certain group and yeah. so well press wise that they won't cancel it. Exactly. Yep. So I think there's yeah. a few I mean, that way. Yeah. It's just a totally different market. And I just don't know if we'll, I mean, I hope, in my lifetime, we get back to those numbers and I'm still writing comics, but, um, I just don't know if it'll ever happen. I mean, you know, 10 million copies on one book. It just doesn't seem possible anymore. I think, what, what do you think the difference is now? I mean, cause you would think that it would go back up with the success of, you know, the, the MCU and all of that, but they're not. And I remember they announced a while back that they were going to start doing comic trailers before their movies, which I don't understand why they never did that in the first place. Right. Uh, you got an Avengers movie coming out. Why don't you take, I mean, you, you're your own studio. You can do this. Uh, you know, why don't you put out a few ads for your comics? I mean, I never understood why they never capitalized on that. And I think well, they did it for one movie. Yeah. I was going to say, I think I saw one for, it was maybe secret empire. Yes. That's what it was. Yep. I saw that too, but that's the only one they haven't done it since. I don't know why they don't do it, but you would think that you know the popularity would go back up since the popularity of superheroes in general has skyrocketed with the movies. Um, it's it's now pop culture. I mean, it just kind of blows my mind how the comic sales haven't reflected that, and I almost wonder why. But then again, you got to remember there's so much more media out there now, so much to do, apps and games, and it's just there's too much. I think there's too much competition out there, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, 
I this actually came up when I was talking at my meeting with Eric Stevenson, and he had a really cool theory that I think might be more truth to it than any other one I've heard. And his theory on it is comics used to deliver an experience, especially with superheroes, that you couldn't get anywhere else. We all remember the horrible superhero movies they tried to make, right? Right. They just didn't, they weren't anywhere near as cool as the comics. Now we're delivering, especially like when you're talking the MCU, we're delivering movies that are arguably better than the comics. And so the experience to like go from the movie to the comic, you get, you get like for the casual reader or viewer, you're, they can get a better experience watching the movies than they can oh, get yeah. from the comics. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so his his thing now is like he's looking for books and trying to get, you know, the creatives to step up another notch going, listen, guys, we have to start delivering experiences. They can't get anywhere else again. That's true. Wow. Yeah. I, that's what I said, too, because I'm like, oh, my God, I got to step up my game a little bit. Like he's I think he's he's got he's on to something. And we got to start delivering content and a reading experience that movies can't deliver yet. God damn. I haven't never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same here. <laughs> I thought it was genius when he said it. I was like, dude, you're right. Like, I mean, my wife loves the movies. I've tried to buy her the comics and she's like, yeah, this isn't as good as the movie. Yeah. Same here, man. Yeah. With CGI the way it is now. You know they can do anything. Yeah, I mean anything. So that makes sense when you go to a you know a little kid nowadays. You know what? Well, if I'm a little kid, if I don't understand the art of a comic or understand comics like like we do, why would I want to read a comic when I can just go watch it actually unfold? Yeah, on the big screen. That that does make a lot of sense. Wow. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that competition really comes into it too with what you were saying earlier, Jordan, is that there's so many different options for entertainment now. Like before my polis got huge, I watched a lot of TV shows and now I've got so many comics to read that I just choose to read my comics over watching TV shows. And so a lot of the shows that I would watch just because it was the show I'd watched, I I don't make time for it anymore because it's like, there's only so many hours in the day. Exactly. Exactly. And especially like, like with my situation, you know, like I got the kids and I got my, you know, my wife and then I work. And so it's like, I've got really like what, four or five hours at the end of the day after I'm off work and I, and I need to split that between family time and, you know, getting some entertainment in for myself as well. It's a lot easier to just sit in the same room that everybody else is in. If, and if they're watching something on the TV that I'm not that into, I'm still part of the family, even though I'm sitting off to the side reading a book was otherwise what I'd be back in my bedroom, you know, watching the, the flash on CW, yeah. which sure it started off good, but anymore it's mm, mm. don't even don't <laughs> don't even get me started. Am I triggering you? <laughs> yes. Don't even get me started on the current dude. I swear to God, we, Doug, if you you don't know, but we on the Supercast we used to cover the CW shows and we loved them to death. Yeah. This year, this this season of all of them have been shit. I'm sorry, but they have been terrible. And we dedicate like an hour every damn episode just talking about how shitty 
the Arrowverse is right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I haven't seen any man. of the ones from this season, so that that's kind of depressing. It's so depressing, man, because we used to. Oh my god, I can't remember. Like Flash season one was so good. Yeah. Oh, it was so it good. Was, Arrow season one was amazing yes. too. Arrow, Arrow season, season one two. and two. Yeah. Were so so good in in Flash season one, and then it, it seems like the further we get away from that, it's, they've just lost where they've they've lost their direction. It seems like. Well, it's even happening with Netflix. I mean, you can see like Daredevil season one, fantastic. Jessica Jones season one, fantastic. Then you got Luke Cage, which is arguably really good or, or okay. I think it's just okay. Then you had Iron Fist, which was just complete dog shit. <laughs> and then you had Defenders, which was honestly one of my biggest letdowns in the past few years. Yeah. And then Jessica Jones season two was just not good at all, in my opinion. So it's like it's gone downhill too. Did you? Oh my god! I saw the the funniest meme the other day. It was of uh, Iron Fist, and he was you know, uh, disintegrating, going away. And in the, in the upper above it said, they had the Netflix heads, Netflix executives clapping. (laughs) 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 It said the bottom, said the MCU finally found a way to get rid of Iron Fist. (laughs) I watched the first three episodes of that and then dropped off. Same with Defenders. I, I didn't even finish the season. I was like, man, if you if you don't have me hooked in the first three episodes, it's like, come on, you're not I doing this. So- I I will never forget reviewing Iron Fist. We started off like I think I started off giving it like a middle of the road, kind of lower rating, and then by the end of it, we had all talked ourselves into the lowest rating possible, <laughs> <laughs> and so it completely changed. The more we talked about it, the more we figured out we just didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wanted to. Oh yeah. Desperately. Desperately <laughs> wanted to. If, if, do you even want to watch Into the Badlands? Yes. I don't. Dude, Into the Badlands has some of the best fighting choreography I've ever seen. Yeah. Like out of anything. And Iron Fist could definitely take a few tips from them. <laughs> All I can figure with Iron Fist is they didn't want to do a karate show. I don't know why. Yeah, they're like, you know, nobody watches Kung Fu anymore. Like, what? Like, yeah, I mean, your guy's only a karate master. No big deal, right? Yeah. I just I didn't understand why they just didn't lean hard into that and go, you know, we're just going to lean into the the legacy of Kung Fu movies and do a show based on that. Yeah, exactly. I'm terrified for season two comes out this year. They're doing Luke Cage season two? Yeah. Yeah, it comes out ah. later this year. Uh, Luke Cage season two comes out next month. Yeah, I saw that one. Huh. Oh, wow. I, the trailer to that one didn't get me excited. But it's just a trailer. God, yeah. I remember how good that trailer was for Luke Cage season one. With oh, the old dirty bastard shimmy shimmy. Yeah. He's just going through that hallway. Wow. Always got to get those hallway scenes. Yeah, those Netflix Marvel <laughs> shows, always. But man, I, I I was so disappointed with Defenders, guys. I was so, I remember how excited I was when I found out they're going. Oh my god, they're going to do a Daredevil show, a Jessica Jones show, a Luke Cage show, an Iron Fist show, and then they're all going to come together be Defenders. It's like the Avengers of the TV. Like fuck yeah! And then it came out. It's like, what the what the hell, man? 
Yeah. <laughs> Just wasn't good. No. I really, I, man, I'm a print. I am such a DC fanboy that I just want Warner Brothers to get their shit together so bad. But they just don't learn, man. It's like Suicide Suicide Squad came out, and yeah, it succeeded commercially, but that movie's terrible, in my opinion. I mean, it's awful. And yet they get David Ayer to do another one? It's like, yeah. why? Yeah. I don't get it. Didn't either of you watch Bright on Netflix? Oh, yeah. Did you like it? That's a tough question. It, it really is. Yeah, because there's things I like about it. Right. I like, I like Will Smith. Yes. And, but like, it's one of those where they just th- have things happening to have things happening. You know, yeah. like I, don't, I don't understand how we ended up in a bar and why. A lot of it was just there to be there. Yeah. Fairies to have fairies. <laughs> Yeah. I guess. I don't Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like they showed one fairy and he kills it with a broom and then that's over. So far, it is, I have figured out that David Ayer just needs to stay away from anything supernatural. <laughs> Keep doing your end of watches, you know, your I think didn't he write Training Day? He didn't direct it, but I think he wrote it. You know, yeah. you'll keep doing that stuff. You you were good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a dick. <laughs> I like that we circled back around to bitching about <laughs> Warner Brothers and DCU. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's George okay. definitely got a trigger somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just looked down. I was say I just looked down at the timer, and we're we're over three hours in. So <laughs> So it had to come for a circle at some point. That's what I was just going to say. It was bound to happen. Right? <laughs> you know, I, this is like on my, on the Supercast. We always somehow talk about Batman versus Superman. Every goddamn episode. <laughs> hey, like I almost brought it up. Here. I almost brought it up earlier when, when Doug mentioned, you know, it, it makes sense to put product placement in a, uh, a comic, you know, if it made sense to the story. And I was gonna say, oh, like not just randomly throwing IHOP in something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was Man of Steel. That was terrible. And Sears. Oh, that was Man of Steel. My bad. IHOP and Sears. Or how about like? <laughs> okay, so Doug, I'm a huge Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan. That was my show when I was a kid. Yeah. And it's a terrible show. Like <laughs> awful. Yeah. But but I I just I idolize it. That was my that was my shit. You know, <laughs> like and I love the Power Rangers. And so. This Power Ranger movie came out. I liked it, but dude, I have never seen more product placement than I saw in that movie with Krispy Kreme. <laughs> have either one of you two seen it? I haven't uh-huh. seen it yet. Dude, they they insert Krispy Kreme into the plot. Wow, <laughs> that is how far they take it. Yes, there was a lot of zeros on that check. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Still good movie though. Still, still the Power Rangers. So you know, gotta yeah. like it. <laughs> well, that might be as good a place as any to start wrapping it up. If you guys, uh, Doug, do you have any final thoughts or or, or anything you wish we would have covered yeah. <laughs> in think, our rambling discourse everything. here? <laughs> yeah, I think we're good. I mean, 
We covered Dr. Pepper, Mr. Pibb, Krispy Kreme. <laughs> I think we're good. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Doug, where can people find more of you? Obviously, the easiest one is Facebook, so just look for Doug Wagner. You'll recognize my big head. Um, that's the easiest place to get me. Right on. <laughs> Jordan, where can people find get more Jordan in their lives? Uh, if you really want more of me in your life, <laughs> you can check out the Supercast podcast. It's weekly. You can find it anywhere podcasts are found and our Facebook page and Twitter and all that fun stuff. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You got to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. This has been a lot of fun tonight, guys. I appreciate you both, you know, taking time out of your schedules and come in and, and talk and, uh, yeah, I, I think we did a pretty good job covering the hard place. I mean, we kind of set out with the, <laughs> the goal of doing a comic talk on the hard place. We really kind of were all over the place, but, oh yeah. um, but, uh, you know, definitely that trade is coming out in, is it June 20th, Doug? It is June 20th. June 20th, the paperback trade for The Hard Place comes out. Highly, highly recommend that. Uh, jump on that, and, and especially Image is doing a giveaway with that, right? Oh, yeah, we're doing a big giveaway for that one. So, like, the first week it's out, the 20th through the 27th, um, if you take a picture of it, and I believe it's hashtag hard place contest on any of the social media. And uh, you get entered into a contest for a giveaway. And I, the first, the bottom prize is you get a trade signed by all the creatives, Brian Selfrey's included in that. And then Nick oh is gosh. giving away a page of the book as a grant, one of the grand prizes. <laughs> and the other grand prize is you get a commission, which is normally like 500 to $600 for Nick. Uh, of anything you want. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is an awesome contest. When does this start? Uh, June 20th. It'll be the when 20th. When it comes out? Okay. Yep. The 20th, the first week. So the 20th through the 27th. And uh, Image has promised me we're all going to push it pretty hard on social media. So hopefully you'll, you'll get reminded when it when that date comes. Because yeah, I'll definitely pick up the trade too. Because even though I picked up all the pl- plastic covers and variant ones, I still got the trade. Sweet, thank you. I, oh. Well, first off, I didn't want to go back and touch those glorious books again. <laughs> 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 no, like, like Joe was saying, everybody out there listening, you, I mean, if you haven't, you've got to check out Plastic and, and Hard Place, both of them. I mean, they like like I like Joe mentioned. I read I read probably forty to fifty comics a week, and the hard place and, and especially plastic, they were first reads. Like every time I got them, I had to read them. They were way different than anything else out there. And I'm telling you, you don't know how much you need this sex blow up doll in your life until you read plastic. <laughs> I mean, you didn't know you need it, but you need it. Let me tell you. <laughs> Very well said. <laughs> well, thank and you. Doug, all I, it's just, oh. it, sorry, Joe. <laughs> No, go ahead, dude. No, I was just like I mentioned earlier. It, seriously, it's an honor to talk to you, especially a guy that's written seriously one of my favorite books in plastic. I, you're a genius, man. It, it's an honor to talk to you. I worship the ground you walk on. Thank you, man. Just thank you for putting out great content like that. I know how hard you guys work towards that stuff. Yeah, I mean, dude, having somebody say that kind of stuff about our books makes it all worth the while. So thank you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> That's awesome. I suck. If you have any questions or comments on what you just heard, you can email me at startcastpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja, or you can check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash startcastpod. Thank you very much for listening. Hey, I'd like to take a moment to ask you all a big favor. If you enjoy listening to Startcast, please log on to iTunes and leave me a review. It uh, really helps with visibility for the show, and um, I would super appreciate it. If you're not a fan and you want to be honest and tell me how much my show sucks, go ahead and leave me a one of those too. Looking it too, man. Those are those are some fantastic books. <laughs> uh, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been Startcast.